Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. As the year winds down this week between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to do some throwback episodes. We're going to take the week off from the podcast, regroup. We got some real powerful episodes coming out as January rolls in 2023. The podcast has just been on fire. And uh, without the support of our listeners in the community, the National Fire Radio community, we wouldn't be able to be where we are today. So I thank you all. And so as we roll into 2023, it is with our sincere gratitude and appreciation for all of you and the support we've been getting for the daily podcast that's being released. So this week, buckle up. We got some throwback episodes today. Uh, on the Monday, the 26th, Mickey Farrell. This goes back to two years ago, episode 51. On the 27th Tuesday, we're going to have Chief Joe Speranza. This goes back four years ago to episode number eight from our old school studios. Joe Speranza is a volunteer fire chief out of Hawthorne, New Jersey, and has a very powerful episode. Wednesday, the 28th, Elkhart Brass. Chris Martin and Jerry Herbst, two of the best. They know their product. They know nozzle and hose packages, and uh, they met us at our studios on our home turf, and it was a great episode. That was from three years ago in episode 48. Another throwback will be Thursday the 29th, and that will be Bobby Eckert's original interview with us. That was episode 13, and that goes back four years ago. And lastly, Friday the 30th, Steve Jason, the solid brother out of New Jersey, who I've just come to be real fond of, super smart and passionate about the fire service and his training. That's from four years ago, and that's episode 19. So this week, the 26th through the 30th, buckle up for some throwback episodes. We appreciate the support. Look for some new content coming out in January of 2023. We're mixing up the podcast. We're going to be putting out some new types of uh, episodes, so they're not just going to be guest-driven. They're also going to be um, some educational pieces and a few other things that we have worked up and uh, we got a few things up our sleeves. So buckle up, hang on. We appreciate the support. Truly, it means the world to us. And lastly, as this year winds down, we got a week left. We're doing the Taylor Tins Tin of the Month for December. I ask you now to go to taylorstins.com, order the Tiller Time Tin, which is the Tin of the Month. Money from the proceeds will go to the Lieutenant Joseph P. DiBernardo Foundation, the Joey D. Memorial Foundation. This is an organization that National Fire Radio has been partnered up with for quite a while now. They are incredible guys doing great work protecting our own through bailout systems and firefighter safety and survival. They do uh, two conferences a year now, and they are making a tremendous difference in the American Fire Service. So the Joey D. Foundation is reaping some reward from the tin of the month so please please go to taylorstin.com order your tin of the month and part of the proceeds go directly to the joey d fund anyway thank you for an absolutely wonderful year 2022 will go down in the books as a big growth year for national fire radio and myself and the crew we are just honored and elated to be able to give you and deliver content that we've been giving you and uh, without your support and listening we wouldn't have anything so we appreciate all of you Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. And we'll see you in January with some new content. And without further ado, The Daily Podcast. All right, cool. So we're going to rock and roll. You ready? Off we go, yeah. man. Give a, give a clap. Go ahead. You start this. You're crazy. Hey, everybody. It's Rod Relief, National Fire Radio. Hey, guys. Jeremy. And Tucker. We got a special guest tonight, Bobby Eckert from Camden Fire. Captain. Captain. 
captain. Captain. Engine company number Uno. City Camden. Yes. Yes. Uno is one, bro. <laughs> That's what I mean. The is weak nowadays. Yeah, I got it. I get it. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's good. Anyway, but yeah, we're bilingual now. It's, it's 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 great to have you here in the studio. It was awesome to see you down in Surf City. It was Surf City that we were at. I got, I got confused with all the cities. It was so uh, Beach Week. Yeah, so yeah, Beach Week, National Fire Radio Beach Week, right? Real quick story. Um, I reached out to Rob, right? So I saw you. So Bobby Eckert has um, fa fantastic uh, Instagram page where he does his Tactical Tuesdays uh, and so on. So all his experience in uh, Camden, New Jersey, which we'll talk about. There's a lot of people that probably aren't familiar with Camden, and we'll talk about that. It's quite a unique city, heavy fire load, busy department. Um, Bobby goes out and does lectures uh, and uh, talks about grit firefighting, real firefighting. Indeed. Yeah, and so uh, the opportunity came up where I saw Bobby was doing a lecture, and I called Rob at a clear blue, and I'm like, hey, you know, you live an hour north into New York State, and I live in, you know, northern New Jersey. Let's drive two and a half hours down to the shore Makes sense. to go yeah. see this guy from Camden. Pay tolls. Yeah, right. Pay tolls back and forth the whole night. On the way home, he's like, man, you got like an hour and a half after this two-hour drive. I'm like, yeah. Nap time. It's worth yeah, it. Exactly. It's all good. <laughs> so we drive down to the Jersey Shore, the fist pump to the Jersey Shore, and uh, and we sit through your class. And uh, we introduced ourselves to you there. And... Uh, I have to tell you, I, I've sat through a lot of lectures in, in my years, and I enjoyed it because it was real, and there wasn't a lot of fluff, so I thank you for that, but I think, that goes, I think that goes to your character and the type of farming you are, and that's, I think, exactly why we wanted you here tonight, so I, I thank you it. for joining us. So Rob obliged, we went down there, and we had a great yeah. time, and yeah. we ended up meeting the brothers in Surf City, and got to meet them and, and look at their, some of their equipment, so it was a fantastic opportunity for us, so it was good. One of the, I think, defining moments in my personal relationship where Molly realized that they say I'm going to be back by 10 o'clock. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> don't give her a time. That's 10, what you 10 o'clock plus yeah. six. All right. Yeah, Open-ended. Yeah. When you give a time, you're held to it. Remember that. That's true. So, but anyway, Bobby, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's, yeah. You have no idea what it means to me to be here, so. Cool. Um, let's just get into a story and then talk yeah. about well, fires. Let, what do you want to do? Let's start. It. How did you get started firefighting? You said you were an explorer, right? So uh, my dad was a fireman. Uh, he was the uh, career chief in Collingswood and a career fireman there for 33 years. And I, you know, my earliest memories are going to the firehouse. And you know, my dad working and my mom taking me there. And my dad, uh, before he was chief, he was on night works. They would do six nights in a row. Uh, six day work, six night, six day works, a day off, six night works, three days off. And, you know, I would go see my dad and, um, you know, it was, it was my dad's job. I didn't really know any different and I was an only child and my mom, I have a stepsister and uh, stepbrothers, but I was my parents' only child so I didn't really know. My, my, my mom was uh, 43 when she had me. So, you know, I, I guess I might have been a whoops, I don't know, I get asked them, but uh, yeah, I, I went to the firehouse, and I kind of figured growing up that's probably what I would be, but I don't know. And my mom worked for the Camden County Sheriff's Department in Camden at the county seat, and my dad went to pick her up one day, and I saw a slime green snorkel drive past me with lights and sirens, and I was like, wow, that looks like <laughs> Ghostbuster Slimer. You did say slime green. Slime I green. Did I'm, yeah, I'm, if, if I'm the president of the fire service, all rigs are slime green. And I was kind of hooked there, and I wanted to know a little more about Camden, and my dad would drive me around, show me some things. And that was pretty much it. I, 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 got, I thought, I don't know, I want to be like my dad, because that's what most boys want to be like their father. And 
that was professional life took me. I said, I'm, I'll probably be a fireman. I don't know. And uh, college was started at Fire Explorer Post when I was 14. And you had to apply, and I, I went to it. And uh, reluctantly a little bit, I wasn't, you know, excited about it or enthralled. And I went, interviewed. I got on the Explorer Post, and I got bit by the bug. Yeah. And that was it. And uh, But I always had this weird obsession with Camden. To the point where, when I was before that, I would there was a Radio Shack on the edge of Collinswood and Camden Border, Collinswood Borders, Camden. I would go to the Radio Shack and go inside and program one five three point seven seven zero megahertz their scanner, <laughs> the Camden Dispatch, and I would ride my bike into Camden, where Engine Seven was the busiest suppression in the city. It's that's their local, and I ride I would ride my bike in there, 10, 11, 12 years old, just buffing fires, because. I would tell my parents I was someplace else. I would lie to them, and I would go there, and that's what I would do. I had my bike stolen a couple times. I was just going to say, because, like, just just had a... I have heard some things about Camden, and it doesn't seem like a place that I would have survived if I was 14 years old riding my bike around. Camden is a depressed but, city. It's actually on the up and up. It's actually refreshing to see, but mm -hmm. it is... Uh, it does have a history of a lot of fire duty. Yeah. And uh, I was obsessed with them slime green rigs and I just wanted to see them and engine seven happened to be the closest one and I was like I want to work there one day and I never really put too much thought in it I was a kid and I, that's what I would do when I was alone because I was an only child and I became a fire explorer and it just went from there I, I joined the volunteer firehouse when I was 18 because you go to the volunteer fire company my dad was a life member it was very cool to do that and when I was 19 Collins would uh, they have a career staff they started in 1927. They always had nine or ten guys, and they took over the uh, ambulance in 2002, and they hired seven guys. And I had the opportunity at 19 to be one of those guys. Wow, and that's cool. 19 years 19 old. 19 years old. That was year, not, uh, 2002. 2002. Yeah, right out of high school, pretty much. Yeah. I did work. I worked for the public works. I worked for the public works department. I feel like every fire I worked for the public works department. <laughs> Common theme. It was a great. It was it was the greatest job I ever had other than the Camden Fire Department. I met a lot of interesting people and uh, I learned a lot of interesting things. <laughs> Not about public works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, gotcha. And uh, yeah, I, you know, but my, I worked there and, you know, my goal always was kind of Camden, and, you know, I, I, the residency thing is tough. You got to live there, and a lot of I know a lot of guys from the suburbs that would move in or only use the address and not get hired and I figured if I'm going to do it I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket over the advice of a lot of people if I had a dollar for it, somebody told me I wouldn't be a Canada fireman I wouldn't need to be here I would own a yacht or something mm -hmm. and usually people tell me I can't do things I go and don't it's game time yeah so I bought a house and I moved in there and it worked out for me I live with my best friend uh, his name's Andy uh, Stas Deshesky he actually died of uh, cancer when he was 23 years old he was on the career staff at Collinswood, too. And uh, he was actually, right when they were getting ready to hire, he actually had to turn on the job because he was he had cancer so bad. And uh, I got hired at 23 in Camden, and that's where I've been ever since. I, mean, I had a layoff in 2011 because of... Uh, City went through budgetary well, issues? Well, Christy did his thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know. How long were you laid off for? Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. That had to be a tough eight months. It was, uh, I learned very fast that the only skill I have in life is firefighting. <laughs> you know, you try to go get a job, and I bartended a little bit, which uh, was nice, but, uh, you know, I learned very fast that that's the only skill I have. Yeah. And it was, 
was humbling. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was like waking up in a, every day of your life and get kicked in the balls all day long. I bet. Yeah, you know, you get the dream ticket to the dream job. and But I took a lot of tests in between there before trying to get hired at Camden, and I kind of turned a lot down. Like, I turned Baltimore yeah. City down. I turned New York City down. I just wanted to be a Camden fire. Yeah, well, it was in your blood from the get-go. Yeah, it's yeah. a slime green race. Yeah. <laughs> when they when when they went through their budgetary issues, how many guys were laid off? So at the first cut, there was probably like thirty five demotions and maybe sixty of us laid off. Wow! And they brought like thirty five guys back within a month with a safer grant. The you know, International Association of Firefighters got involved and that whole thing. How many are on the job tour? Yeah, we are, and I don't know this number. It makes me look bad, but we're we're, no, we're, we're we're probably right around two hundred. Okay, maybe you know, that's a huge cut, though. Yeah, it was a significant you know, the, cut. The, the, the department was bigger when I got on. It was probably in like maybe two twenty, two thirty. We had eleven companies. We don't have that now, and you know, the press city, state control. These things happened. It, it kind of, you know, not get into it, but you know, they set themselves up for failure a long time ago, and sure. I just got caught up in it. And I remember, I remember when I got laid off. They got laid off. Uh, my father. His name's Bob. Uh, he said to me, uh, don't take it personal. You're just caught up in something. And I, because a lot of guys were. A lot of guys were taking it personal. I actually tried to work my last day. A lot of guys called out sick. Right. And said, you know. Yeah, a few. Yeah, a few. Yeah. Have a nice life. I, I just, I figured, you know what? I, I got this gift, and I want to go as many far as I can till the end day. And actually, my last tour was the day they laid us off, and I showed up to work, and they wouldn't let me work. And they said, you know, you're, you're done, and we don't want you to get hurt on your last day because we can't cover you. And we went, we marched and turned in our gear and things. And it was a very emotional day. Yeah. Uh, it's something that, that I, I will probably carry with me for the rest of my life. Having, I love the fire service so much, having it taken from me yeah. is something that I can't even explain. It's kind of what I was getting well, I mean, you, you just called it a gift. You had, the, you had the gift of working there, right? You called, I mean, I think it was the word gift you used yeah. to call it, uh, you know, that you had the honor of working. It's, it, I mean, that, that is, to me, just speaks and, to the And it shows character. you how much you like the job because... Now you can't have it. I couldn't have it, and uh, yeah. you know, especially that fire department. To me, it's a premier organization, and with a reputation. And I was a member of it, and I worked in really good companies up to that, with great captains, and it just it tore me apart. Uh, uh, yeah, I think a lot of times too, because we hear about layoffs in in uh, like social media and the media and everything else, and people don't realize that there's a human end to that. Oh, they don't know. You know, I mean, it, like there's somebody who's who's not providing for their family. They're out of work and. Like you said, like you really find out that there's one thing that you're really good at, that's I, being a firefighter. I watched I watched cars get repoed out of the parking lot. Guys lost their houses. I mean, it really affected a lot of guys' yeah. lives. Even the guys, you know, even though the guys got laid off, it was like my whole recruit class. Or my whole recruit class got laid off. Some of us got brought back in the first wave. But watching the captains get demoted, because these guys were captains for four or five years, and get demoted, and they're like losing their houses. I felt more for them than I did for myself because, like, they were established for a few years, worked in a promotional yeah. dam for something, and to lose it, I mean, disgusting is the only word I can think of. Yeah, I, and, and I, I mean, you're, you're hitting on the monetary end of it, and, but I look at the psyche of it. Right? Oh, that messed like, my head hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and not, I mean, I, could, I couldn't even, I mean, you know, just the, the hear of a fire engine going down the street the next day, you know, or, you know, yeah, that, that something you love, that passion <laughs> that you have, because firefighting, you know, for some it's a job. For most people, it's a, it's a love. It's a lifestyle. And it's, so, well, as a volunteer, when you hear the horns go off, and 
let's say you're injured or something, you still you want to get involved. Well, Even when you're old, you see older guys yeah. like they want to come you up. You want to ride. Mm -hmm. You want to get there and at least well, what's going on? You know and. Even right. if you don't have that, or if you were told, oh, you got a broken leg, you should sit a month out, we don't want you coming around the firehouse. Well, no, because that's kind of what you do, you know? Yeah. It's and part of your for, life. For whatever reason, during that time period, we went to a, a lot. City of Camden had a lot of fires, and these guys, I, I would give it to um, a lot of guys. I actually work, I'm in a double house, and the ladder captain, Kevin Folkman, he was uh, demoted. And these guys gave their all through that whole situation, you know, they weren't happy about what was going on, but when the tones went off, they did their job, and I think a lot, I think that says a lot about our fire department and the guys that work there. Yeah. Yeah. This fire in the uh, picture here, what was the date, and can you tell us what that building is? So, from what I know, it's a 1968 fire, Bob Bartos, who was the Camden Fire Department photographer, he has uh, two books, black and white, red all over. He has tin men and fire helmet or tin men and iron helmets from uh, Philadelphia. He was a Camden fire photographer. He still lives. He lives in uh, North Carolina now. This was actually an arson fire. It was set by a draft dodger on Broadway. That's actually where you went when you got uh, in 1968. Where you went and uh, you got drafted. You went to that building to go off for your military service. Huh. And he lit it on fire and it took off. Well, there was actually a priest at the time in Camden who let revolt on uh, draft dodging. And I think that had something to do with it. But that was. Um, Late 60s into the 70s and 80s was a tremendous amount of fire deeper city of Camden, and I'm a huge buff. I love the 60s. I mean, it take me back to late 60s as a fireman. I would give anything. Give me the flux capacitor. That's where I'm going. That's fantastic. And that's great. Well, that was back in the days when you were allowed to eat the smoke. Yeah, I mean, you were allowed to do a lot of things, and I just think it's cool. I mean, everybody. There was no I mean, two bottles. Calm limit. and toys and no just, another, just another day for those guys. Amen. Absolutely. There were bottles, but we didn't have many of them, so only certain guys got them. I think it's cool you see the Coke bottle, City Hall, in the background. Uh, cool thing about Camden, I think a lot of people don't know that it being the press city it is now, Camden is the only uh, municipality in the United States of America during the Great Depression that did not ask for financial assistance. They took a second mortgage out on their building to pay their employees. They never asked for one piece huh. of government assistance. No kidding. Yeah, it was such a, it was such a bustling, thriving city. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, in, in just for people, some people are listening through podcasts and not watching the YouTube video or something. Uh, Bobby was nice enough to bring us a black and white framed photo of this fire from what, 1968. And uh, it's pretty kick ass, and I love it because it speaks to what we're doing here. It's the tradition sure. and the culture. When firemen were firemen and, you know, strong as nails and so on, I mean, you know, you can go on and on. But I just, I, I love the picture. It's going to go right on the wall. We're, for everybody listening, we're going to be, uh, new studio is coming very soon and uh, for September uh, with some other stuff we're rolling out. But uh, this is going to go prominently on the wall. I have another picture here from Stan when he was here. Uh, Stan Kufel was here a few weeks ago. And uh, we have that one that we're going to get framed and put on the wall as well. So uh, absolutely appreciate it. Thank you for, no for sharing that with us. But uh, so kind of moving on here, the, the, the tradition of what we usually do, we talk about your first fire. Yeah. What was your first fire? So it's funny, I talked to my wife about this going into it. I don't know, what fire do you want? Do you want my first fire as an explorer? Do you want my first fire in Collinswood? Do you want my first fire in Camden? Where would you well, like start, my start at the, uh, start when you were an explorer, because that would yeah. have been your first real fire as a fire. So I've been going to fires since I've been a child. My mom would pop me in the stroller and walk mm -hmm. me down there to see my dad and uh, I would cry because I was scared. That's my mom's running joke that I would cry. 
that. Remember, so I can't take credit for it. But uh, my first fire as an explorer was uh, at Collingswood. It is a community just like the one here that I'm in. Mm -hmm. It's it's a beautiful big houses and it's a very nice community. There was a, a section of row houses and it was on Conger Ave and it was a bedroom fire. It was a fire explorer. I had my parents drop me off. You were only allowed to hang out till nine o'clock. I think the fire came in at like eight thirty, and I was there hanging out in this bedroom fire. I was just there changing cylinders, and I remember I wore my uh, my flash hood. They don't call flash hoods anymore, but that's what we call them, right? Flash hoods, because I didn't know what it was for. I had it on. I remember an old guy yelling at me for have for wearing. What are you wearing that for? You're not going outside a fire. I'm like, I don't know. I'm yeah, right. 14. I'm just here. This is it looks great. Looks cool. I can breathe yeah, smoke I, through. I changed a couple cylinders. It was a bedroom fire, and that was it. And I was like, this is awesome. And that was it. And I went to a bunch as a fire explorer and. Uh, my first fire as a volunteer fireman, I knew a, uh, one of my friends, uh, Billy Glassman, worked in the fire alarm room, and we had Nextels. I remember the Nextel. He gave me a Nextel click that there was a fire. He got a 911 call for a fire in Collinswood, and I left my parents' house, went to the firehouse. The career engine was out. I made the second engine. It was a balloon frame uh, rear bedroom. I took the second line to the attic, and there was no fire extension, but I felt a little heat, and it was... Again, very exciting for me. Uh, and my first fire in Camden, we drove past the house on fire. Heavy fire coming out of the windows, and the driver drove right past it, and we ended up being second too. And these things, <laughs> wow. so, all right, so let's things, talk about that. Yeah, over yeah, yeah, that There's this so, great bar down. Did he not? Street. Was he looking at his phone? Like, well, how did you miss that? This, yeah, this yeah. was before phones. Yeah, right. You know, it was. Uh, it, it was. A, there was a, another fire in the city, so it was in a different district, and we weren't really sure of the streets. So I think we were all dialed into the map book. With it was it was a one block street, like actually a real small Green Street, which is in a Squad Seven's district. And there's probably maybe I don't know ten houses on the street, five on each side, and it was one. Well, I mean, there was fire blowing the window. I was like, we drove up the street, and I was we didn't go to we drove past Green Street, and there was fire blowing the window. I was like, that's the house on fire, Cap. He's like, oh shit. And we went around and we were second there. So <laughs> that's awesome. You know, things happen. Absolutely. Things yeah. happen. Hey, absolutely. I was, uh, I was uh, when we got out, when I got hired in Canada, we had a 12 week academy. Came out and uh, they did a rotation thing my first year. You did uh, two engines in a truck. So I went to engine one, which are what I'm assigned to now, but it was different then. Fire headquarters then had engine six, ladder one, and engine one, and car three. And we had an uh, on duty deputy chief. I was at Engine 1, which it was kind of a slower company than it goes to Engine 6. And going to the fire, we drove past it. I was very, 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 very bummed out about it. But I, you know, I just kept it myself. Stretched second line, they knocked it down. I was like, damn. But it happens. And uh, after that, I went to Ladder 2, which is, was down on Morgan Boulevard at the time. We did four months there, so it's like four months rotation. I was there, and it seemed like, for whatever reason then, I was always the fast truck. It's like God didn't want me to go to a fire, it felt like. And then I went to Engine 9, which is where I ended up staying for four years. And uh, that Engine 9 made me a fireman, uh, the captain I had there, Larry Buckingham. Uh, I walked in there. He asked me how many fires I had in my year because he didn't, you know, he was an old school guy. He was actually an Engine 7 fireman. I was like, not many, Cap. And he laughed at me. And, you know, we went to a fire on 27th Street, which is where the firehouse is at, 27th Federal. If you get on 27th Street, it's kind of messed up, the road's messed up. And we pulled up, we had smoke showing. And I got out of the rig, I pulled the line, and I tripped. And I ate 
the pavement going up the steps, and I cut my face like this. I, I put my face on, I kept going, I didn't know until afterwards it was all banged up. And uh, I remember getting to the top of the steps, and the truck captain, Andy McGee, who's a battalion chief now, it was a, the bedroom fire was kind of like decaying, he was fanning the door for me, for me to get a, get a good fire. Awesome. Yeah, that's He's like, awesome. get out here, Roby! Come on! Hurry! <laughs> I can't told, keep the smoke well, going me, much longer. He was telling me not to be a pussy and get up there. And that's fantastic. And I'm like, oh my god, he's fanning the door. I'm like, what is that? He's like, I fanned the door. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. But now I know what it means. And I'll fan the door for any purpose they want me to fan it for now. But uh, then that was, that's, that's, that is awesome. That was my first fire engine. What was the, that's uh, cool. What was the, um, <laughs> what was the first, uh, like, for, like, in Canada, like, what was your first, like, like, you were, like, <laughs> yeah, this is legit. Like, so you were on the line. Truth, on the line, truth be told, I—I I, I be telling lies. I told you I didn't think about quitting Canada my first year. Um, I had a very tough time mm -hmm. transferring from the suburbs to city. It was very, very fast-paced environment that I was not used to at all, and it was uh, discouraging because I was making a lot of like rookie mistakes that I thought that I shouldn't be making because I've been doing this at 14. What am I doing? I was very hard on myself my first year. Uh, I would say my first fire where I, I realized it was legit when I uh, we had a two-story middle of the road ordinary with heavy fire on the first and second floor. And uh, my captain, Larry, if he watches this, he's going to be mad at me, but he's, he's a very short man. And I remember when I met him, I'm like, this guy's the captain? And we pulled up. <laughs> And he's short and, and skinny, and he's like, come on, kid, let's go. We took a line in. And I'm like, this place is fully involved. But in Camden, that's just heavy fire on the first and second floor. And we took an inch and three-quarter in, and we went front to rear on the first floor, backed up, went right up the steps to the second floor, and that was it. And he pushed me the whole time. I had no idea what was going on. I can't believe I was part of it. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And I was like, oh, my God. So my next fire... Was on Langham Avenue, another fire going uh, in uh, the Fairview section. So we weren't, we were actually, uh, we arrived the same time as a different engine. And there was a heavy fire on the first floor, and it was extended up to the second floor. And I went to the second floor. Engine 8 with uh, Captain JJ was a great fireman. He had the, he had the fire knock, he was knocking fire on the first floor. And I went up the steps and I plunged my right leg through the stairs. And my bumper pants came up to my knee. I didn't know it. When I got to the top of the steps, there was fire up there. And I put my knee down on the stairs. Exposed. Oh my God! I said it was hot. You pussy! I want to keep going. Like my my bare knee was on the ground. He shoved me in there. I couldn't. He. It's one of his favorite stories to tell. If you ask him. But I remember. My, I remember when I got hired. Came my dad telling me he's like, I don't care how hot that fire is. Don't tell anybody about it. Right. Keep it to yourself. Right. That's right. And uh, that's right. I'm just like my leg. My leg. It's hot. He kept. He thought I was saying the fire was hot. I was saying my leg was burning, but mm -hmm. I was a young kid. And yeah, so that's my string of first five. That's, that's awesome. That's, uh, yeah, that's How many great. runs do you guys go on a year? Camden City, as a whole, I would say we're ten to eleven thousand. And that's your truck itself. Uh, so engine one is the busiest <laughs> engine. Uh, we do anywhere from I, I believe last year we did high four teams. I think this year, if it keeps up, we'll probably hit sixteen hundred. But we brown that company out every day. I, I, an engine is browned out on either side of me every day. Hmm. Which just makes your district that much bigger. Yeah, it does. I mean, and it's, it's, it's challenging, especially with probies and training. Yeah. I can't... To me, if you're an engine, I, if it's nice out, you're putting hose in the street every day. And sometimes I can't do it because 
of the brownout. Right. So it's frustrating. And we got a lot of new guys rolling around there with not a lot of fire experience. I mean, our fires are, are down because they knock a lot of vacant buildings down. You know, one other thing we took away from your class uh, was that you said, like, when it came to, like, training, like, work with guys for 20 minutes, but hold it up on that. Yeah, it's... And I I went back to work the next day, and I was like, I took a bunch of notes in the class, and I was like, all right, like, went down to Surf City, and I saw this guy last night. These are a couple things I want to point, you know, hit on. And one of the guys was like, really, just 20 minutes? And I'm like, no, it makes sense. Like, you guys bitch and moan about, like, having to do training, and then ambulance calls come in, EMS runs, etc. But, yeah. like, it makes sense. Like, do you really want me to beat you for an hour, quotes, and then, you know, something real comes in, or you gotta go, like, you, now you have to be in somebody's living room, you know, taking their blood pressure, and being like, hey, how, how are you doing today? When that chest pain start, like, you know, and it was just, a, it, it, it clicked, and it just made sense, and I was like, yeah, that's quality training, because we, we measured it on hours, and I, I was like, no, like, it's, like, that's not a good way to do it. It's, I'd rather you get quality, yeah. not quantity, and if I can, I train these guys without even them knowing it. Like, we go right. out and we drive around and we look at this, look at that, and that's... Absolutely. They don't even know they're training, but it's just me talking about buildings, and I'm obsessed with building construction. If you know me, that's my mm -hmm. thing. I love it. I love 18th century, 19th century building construction. You know, I love it. And I'll drive around all day long looking at it, but I try not to do that. But, yeah, I mean, I put hose in the street. We train on what we need to do as an engine. This is our job, first and second do. I feel like a lot of training guys do is add this extra stuff that you might not even use every day. Let me give you something you're going to use every day, and then maybe we'll talk about something that's new or whatever. And especially with younger guys on the job, you know, you got to hold their attention span. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, being, the, being an officer, especially a new officer, that's, that's hard to do. Yeah, I, I think... Um you, you said something in your lecture when we were there that um, really stuck with me about how you go to work every morning. And you have the same routine every morning. You get up, you get ready for work, you get a cup of coffee, and then you... I don't you, drink coffee. Uh, I'm sorry, there was some, you do something in the morning. I wash my teeth, I don't shave, but I don't drink, just so you know, because my dad's well, going to wash this. All right. My dad calls me a communist because I don't drink coffee. Just I'm the only farmer. Right. That might be, that no, might be why the coffee's sticking in my head. But the point I want to make is that you said that every single day you go to work, you find a different way to go every time, yeah. and I, and that and that really sticks with me because I do a lot of that on my engine with my guys, and uh, and now that I have the seat mostly driving all the time for for these guys, is when we come back from calls I like to take the long way home and I've preached that on this show, and on a lot of our Instagram posts take the long way home, find another way to go back to the firehouse after training after a run take don't take the most direct route find something to talk about and take a different route on the way home. Um, because I think it's so important, and you pointed out that you like to see the building. She'll stop, look at the building. She'll I see a lot of pictures. Yeah, and I think that's great. Even today, I was talking to Bobby today on the phone, yeah. and he said, "Well, I'm gonna," or we were texting, and you were like, "I'm gonna stop and take a bunch of pictures. You want to stop in Patterson, and you want to do a couple other things." And any chance I get to look at building instruction, I do. Uh, it's I've always done it. Actually, in my first Captain Liar Buck game, he actually gave me the idea when I was. Uh, young fireman and I kind of did it and I don't always I work in engine one's district I don't get out to a lot of districts you know we don't if there's a fire in another district I might not go right. so to me if I can maybe cruise through there I leave my house roll calls at 7 I leave my house about 5.50 and I live 10 minutes from the city I'm in I drive around for 20 minutes do right. my thing and I go to work that's 
But you, you, awesome. you look at these buildings and see how you know they're adding to it and whatnot. There was was one guy injured and another guy killed in a Texas fire about two years ago, and they said they had rolled by this building like all the time, but they didn't remember that they put other roofs over the top of it. So when they got in it, it was totally different than the way they had think were mm -hmm. thinking. But they ride by it every day, and then after that. Now they, they look at all their buildings, they start talking about, well, you know, has there been construction before that? Is it actually in our sheets? Do we have some permits for this? Is yeah. it real? You know, and uh, people just forget about that. You get complacent, you just drive by things, and it's like you said, same way home each time. Well, you're not, you're not gaining anything. No, and I, uh, I, I, do go to, I do go the same way home every day, but I come in a different way. But yesterday I had a fire um, in Engine One's district, and when somebody told me the house went on fire, I knew exactly what house it was, and I was very familiar that it had no floors in it. And they caught that right away, and I'm mm. happy they did. But, you know, it's one of the things you you get a lot by just working the neighborhood. You know, parking the rig, mm -hmm. walking up the street, yep. talking to people. I'm not a cop. I don't care what's going on in this neighborhood when it comes to that stuff. I just want to know who's here, who's doing this, who's squatting here, whatever. And if you're, if you treat everybody, my father and my mother have raised me to, well, whoever I, Encounter in life, treat and respect that you want to be treated. And I try to do it and work all the time. So right. I don't Absolutely. care if you're a drug addict, transient prostitute. Who there's a lot. Prostitution is very big in the city of Camden. I still treat you with dignity and respect. And hey, what's going on here? Do you go here? What goes on at this house? Because you might be the person that's laying there squatting in the middle of the night, and I got to come in and get you out. Right. That's the way I look at it. And, right. And you know, I learn a lot from the people in the city. I learn a lot from walking around the city, and I learn a lot more being off and driving around in my own truck in the city. You still have a lot of abandoned buildings? There's the there's a lot of uh, vacant, you know, I, I call them, you know, we use the term vacant, but I use it very loosely. Like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of transients that, that are in and out of the buildings, but, yeah, there's a, they, they've locked, they've knocked a lot of them down. Um, you know, it's kind of caught our fire to be a little bit, but that's life. One of the, uh, one of the things that I got, the, the, one of the other things that I got from the class that I was just really blown away with was the size of the card and it's something that I actually did. I went back and I did the whole and it was in the in the class you were like you said, what do you have, location of the fire, occupants, where is the fire going, and what do you need to combat it? And like I've been an officer for two years. We're about the same. Yeah, like, and and I was like, you know, and I was like, wow, like that's I, I've been like looking at uh, can reports, like conditions, actions and needs, but like this was so much better just in like I said like made that card, it's in my pocket, I pull it out, and I have it now with me in the rig so that every time I get there, and like, I mean, like I said, there's just so many knowledge bombs that happened in that class that you were like, you know, just dropping, I was just like, all right, and the Jeremy's like sitting there like this the whole time, like nodding, and he looks over, he's like, what are you doing writing stuff down? I'm like, don't worry about what I'm doing. I, I'll, I'll tell you this, it was, what I got from it, and, and I'm not a big like note taker, I kind of like to digest it, but what, like, ultimately what I got from it was, it's street smart firefighting. And I think maybe we need to talk about that a little bit because we, we kind of talked yeah. about it off camera and off recording earlier about just the direction of the fire service. And I don't want to dwell on that and we've talked about it a lot here, but what I do want to talk about, it's like street smart, common sense. I posted something today on our Instagram just about like booster lines and we got some pushback on all of our social platforms. We get pushback about every, you know, at your, there's always going to be people. But my issue was this, right? It's like, I subscribe to the school of common sense, and firefighting is inherently 
100% common sense, or maybe 95% common sense, 5% like street smarts or book smarts, right? So, like, I just look at it that way, but maybe you can touch on that because, like, your cl the lecture you offer is street smart firefighting, right? I mean, it's logical street smart logical, firefighting because right. right. that was one thing where, like, building construction always trips me up, but he had a logical way of laying it out. Absolutely. And I was just like, all right, now I got it. Like, so, I'm the type of person if I've taken building construction classes in, uh, like, I went to community college for fire science, I took a building construction class, I got a D in it. And I got a D in it because you're over explaining me things. Like, can you put it in terms that I can understand? And I think street smart firefighting is that in terms that you can understand. Right. It's experience based. So, you might take a guy who barely graduated high school, but he's a fireman, and he's been a Mosman his whole career. He's probably the best Mosman you're ever going to meet in your entire life because he's done. Right. If you've done something, like, my mom makes the best chocolate chip cookies in the world because she cooks them 20 times a year. Right. Right? So, I want to learn from somebody who does something every day. Every day. And that's what street smart firefighting is to me. My card that, that I give to everybody, that I put up my, that, that's, that's a side that works for me because I, I see people when they pull up to a fire, they look at the fire and they get tunnel vision. The fire is the last thing I look at if it's shown. That's easy. I know where it's at. I'm actually disappointed, to be honest with you. I want to go look for it and have some fun doing it. Street smart firefighting is just experience, experience, experience. And not everybody in this country can get the experience that some people get. And I know that. And I'm very fortunate to have gotten it. And I try to share with people. And a lot of people say you can't teach experience. I think you can. I try to do it every Tuesday of my posts. It's it's my experience in a nutshell. You know? And if you have a way of teaching it to people, they're going to understand it. Yeah. And, you know, street smart firefighting is just experience, experience, experience. You, you touched on that, so real quick, just a quick plug for you, but it's not even a plug, it's just, it's it's a home run that you have your, um, what is, your Instagram handle is? Eckert underscore 335, and every Tuesday, right. between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I post Tactics Tuesday um, thing, and it's basically, uh, my wife, Brandley, she didn't mandate, I plugged her, but it was her idea, and, you know, I just put some experience-based stuff out there. And this month I'm covering search, which actually kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone because I haven't really been assigned to a ladder company in a long time. And I, 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 you know, but, you know, I put it out there with my experience. And, you know, like today I did Venator Search. And Venator Search is like all of a sudden this dangerous thing. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about this. Venator Search, Search is something that has been done in, in, in America for 50 years. I, I, it, when... When somebody's going through a window and there's fire under them, I hope they're going through the window. You don't want to go through the front door that's on fire. There's there's people in there. And you go through the survivability profile and all this shit. I don't know. I'm not God. You're not God. Let's get in there and search the building. But what I liked about it was you talked about the I, right? So it's V-E-S, right? It's always been V-E-S. Now it's V-E-I-S, right? And hit on it because I loved where you went with that. If I'm, <laughs> that's pretty Did awesome. you see that? I, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was great. If I... If I'm a truck guy, a rest guy, whatever, and I'm going to do a VES, and I and I throw my portable ladder, I take the window, and I hop in the window, I sound it, make sure nobody's, you know, nothing's there, no obstacle overcome, could be a dress or could be whatever. I get in the window, and it's hot, and I don't know what the engine's doing, and I might be on the same floor as the fire. Yeah, I'm going to go to the door and shut it because that's common sense. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. common sense to shut shut the door because I'll tell you what, a hollow core door, 
will hold back a lot of fire, mm -hmm. a lot of heat, whatever. And I'm going to search the room and I'm going to get out of there because that's what I'm there for. Get it, search, get out. And they throw this eye in there and like they want you to go in the room, bypass the search, isolate, think I don't, it's confusing to me. And I'm a fireman. Well, I have a college education now, but I used to have a high school education before up to years ago. And you're throwing letters in acronyms that I knew from before, it's confusing to me. So the VIS, God bless you, whoever invented it, you know, to me, you probably didn't do many VESs to begin with. And here we Could are. very well be. And but the other thing that I've no, the other thing that I've learned too, right, and and so on, is that I'm finding more and more in a fire service we can't take for granted that because of maybe lack of experience, right, lack of street store experience, we take for granted that somebody might know they should isolate and close the bedroom door, right? Sure. That comes with that comes with knowledge. It comes with practicality, right? So on. So maybe these acronyms are getting longer because we have to explain further and I, I don't I mean they don't teach VES and fire one no you're right and they and should that, they that, absolutely that, right. that, that boggles my mind could you, you you take an 18 year old kid that works in a bedroom community who went through fire one and maybe a Tuesday at one o'clock in the afternoon he's at a house fire he could put a ladder up take the window out go in the window and effect a rescue why wouldn't you teach that tactic to me it's a safe tactic. Yes, you might be above the fire, you might be on the same floor as the fire, you might be opposite the hose line, but if you know how to do it, and you're taught it in fire one under fire conditions, whether you're burglars, class A, class B, whatever, if you're given a little bit of confidence in something, maybe you're gonna affect the rescue, and we're here to save life and property. Amen. I mean, I don't know what, what, what it seems like we're getting away from that. I can't believe fire one does not teach VS, and when I went down to my county fire academy to teach fire one, I was mind blown. That's not a tactic. If you go to the Canada Fire Department, our working fire policy dictates a VES from the first two ladder company on both sides of the building. Right. Automatically. Yeah, that's what we do. You ladder the front, you ladder the rear, and you're VES. One guy might take the door and go through the front steps, but there's a VES happening on either side of the building right away. Right away. Because it's a life saving tactic. Without a doubt. I agree. And I, I didn't invent it, I, I, guys use it every day. One of my best friends, Bobby Stolters, works at 58 Trucks in the Bronx. That's what they do. Right. That's what they do. Right. VES. It's every, everywhere. I can't believe that we're, th we're going to throw another letter in it and we're going to make people scared of it. <laughs> in a fire service, well, in a fire service, well, yeah, they make people scared of things, so we stop doing it. And, and, and that's what we kind of experienced the booster line. Like it was like, hey, like this is something that's practical. And this guy, I mean, I do you know why? You know why? You know why they got rid of booster lines? Because they don't want you pulling on car fires because of people like me. Because I'm going to be the guy that pulls up at 3 in the morning and I say, pull the booster line, let's get the hell out of here. Because a car fire is a waste of time to me. It's no fun. Right. I don't like, I, I love when I open. It's a my nuisance first, fire. I, I love when I open my first responder in the newspaper. Working car fire, all hands. I'm like, oh my God. Come on. Like, booster, booster <laughs> line and car fire. But it was like, it was like we, we all of a sudden made a book and we're like, this is, this is a booster line. When you have a. When you have a commercial occupancy, pull this line first. Like, yeah, Wait, I mean, it was like, and it was just so ridiculous. The one guy went, it went off. It was crazy. It was. Yeah, that shot. It was nice, huh? Yeah, I wasn't there. I wish I was. Was that recent? Today? Uh, no, it was probably about a month ago. Gotcha. Like, what's uh, like? Are, are there other common sense things that you just you see that's not so common anymore? 
somebody somebody pointed out you know, we're doing a, like the Facebook Live thing, but like this was like, hey, they don't teach common sense in Firefighter One, and I think that's a, probably a whole other uh, whole other topic. But so common sense to me is like street smarts, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't have anymore. And it's that my wife and I talk about this all the time. We try to give our kids street smarts and book smarts, but common sense is a thing where people are they're selling gores in our phones and social like media me right now. Like we're trying to go right live, now. that's why. But people get tunnel vision. Are you going live on, on Facebook? Oh, you're on Facebook. You're you're on you want me to do Instagram? Do Instagram. We're trying to. This get is to. exactly what Bobby is talking about. Yeah. The problem, and we're. But the problem is, is that his peeps, it's his people that want it. They want it. He's got, he's got his fan club. It, but don't uh, I can do IG. Not, no, no, seriously, it. it's, it's, it's this. I think, I think people get tunnel vision. I think people mm -hmm. get tunnel vision to fires. Um, you know, they see the fire, they get excited. Maybe it's their first fire, their second fire, whatever, and chokes out, and they're running to do their thing and whatever. Maybe they got a riding assignment, whatever it is, and they're gonna, you know, overcome any obstacle to get to that. And mm -hmm. they might not be taking the best effort to get there. You know what I mean? Like, slow down. Let's take in the big picture. Like, we're the fire department. We're here. The the problems gonna get solved. But you know, a lot of people in the fire service, to me. We're getting away from these aggressive fire tactics. We're trying to reinvent the wheel, to reinvent the wheel here, to the point where, you know, let's let's transition, let's do this, let's do that. To me, if I put the fire out fast, all the problems in the that's, world are gone. That, on, I, 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 are on. You don't even need to call the canteen. That's the school that I subscribe to. Get the line in place and put water on the fire. Just get in there and put it out. Yeah. Yeah. Get in there and put it out. And you know, if you're the first fuel engine, your job is to put water on that fire. Get it done. Yep. Get it done. Mm -hmm. I don't care what obstacle you have to overcome. Make it happen. And a lot of people have a lot of problems with that. I mean, look at basement fires. Basement fires are some of the toughest fires you're ever going to fight in your entire life. I don't like going to them. We all don't like going to them. I hope I never go to one again. But right. it's a tough fire. Right. There's no hard way to fight a basement fire other than to get down there and do it. you got to go through the chimney. you got to go down there, put the fire out. Somebody's got to be on them stairs feeding you line. Right. It's not easy, but guess what? This job is not easy. It's a blue-collar thing, and this is what we're getting away from. People don't understand. This is hard work. You can take your master's degree, your doctorate. I'm, I got my bachelor's. I hope to get my master's soon. Everybody should get education, but you know what? At the end of the day, when there's a working fire, your piece of paper don't mean a goddamn thing. And firefighting is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, that's... But... We're not delivering we're, ice. Well, that's exactly it, brother. Not, like, that's what I'm getting at is that, you know, people, you know, they, they start to, you know, from what I've seen with our platform and the stuff we're putting out there, and it's like, it all comes back to common sense, but it also comes back to, yeah, you know what, yeah, oh, don't mount that there because you're going to cut your arm. Like, you know, we're men. Like, we're, 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 we're grown-ups here. Like, you know, firefighting's a dangerous business. You're going to come back from a fire. You're going to throw up. You're going to bleed. You're going to be bruised. You're going to be sore. Like... It's just a fact of life. Like, you signed up for this. And people, I think, are getting away from that, like, brass tacks type thing where, you know what, guys? If you're going to go to fire, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. You know? I mean, it's it's kind of, like, I, I, think we're it, I think we're losing that. It, it also used to be, though, that people used to do things for themselves. So they knew how to work a chainsaw and a lawnmower. Well, I agree. And all this stuff. Right. Where you get all these new recruits, somebody's mowing their lawn. They've never no, I didn't know how the lawnmower works. Absolutely. A chainsaw, you got to explain absolutely. the whole thing, you know. 
mean, when I was nine, <laughs> my grandfather was having me chainsaw in the backyard. Right, and so the part of something, they think you're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. What are you talking about? Part of, part of that, though, right, is like a lot of firefighting, not only, you know, it's a dangerous job, yes. You also have to take initiative, right? Sure. Like, we work as a company, but everybody individually has jobs to do, and a lot of it's done on their own. And you have to instill confidence into these guys so that they're willing to take that initiative because nobody's going to take initiative without being confident, right? Initiative, right. And so instilling, like you can train, 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 but you have to make sure they're confident in their skills. It, so please to touch on it. it you know, I, I taught fire one for a lot of years, and I, I you got into fire academy, and you got instructors, and they're yelling at these kids like, like it's like Marine Corps parasailing boot camp. Not taken away from the Marines, they they put out a good product, but I don't learn when you're yelling at me. Right. I don't. So right. like, to me, if if I have a new fireman in my company, the best thing I can do for them is obviously number one. The first thing I want to do is I want to beat them down from their academy training because their academy training is just black and white. You know, I, yeah. I, I want to break them down. I don't want to build them back up. But when I break them down, I might be a dick a little bit. But I want to build them back up with confidence because if I give you confidence in something, you're going to take over the world. Agreed. Even even if you don't have experience in it, like you know, we just in our fire department we had an influx of probationary firefighters in the last year and a half, a lot over thirty. And when I got my, uh, I got two probies assigned to me right away, and I sent them an email and I just said like, it's the best job in the world. It's the most fun you're going to have your clothes on the whole nine yards, but, like, you got to trust me. So think about it. You don't know me from Joe on the street, but you got to trust me to guide you along this process of firefighting. But in, the, in, that, in, in that process, on the first day, I'm going to give you something to boost your confidence where if you don't trust me, maybe you're a little confident in what you're doing. And that maybe that is pull a line and, you know, racket it, pull a line and racket it, pull a line and racket it. At least you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a little things and it's a little things in, in training. Like guys get away from it so much, so much that you know they, they over-engineer training. They do all this stuff. Build your guys' confidence. One of my favorite drills in the entire world is putting my fireman's gloves on, putting their face piece on, blacking out their face piece, and making them do things with it. Hose connections, whatever it is on the apparatus floor. If I make you do that. How much more confident are you with your gloves on, blacked out? Because we don't operate in vision. We operate in zero visibility. Absolutely. That's yeah. life. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, I don't make somebody do something I've never done before. It's something I do all the time. I mean, I'm in my office sometimes with my gloves on, my eyes closed, doing things. I'm that guy. I tie knots all the time. I'm a weird individual. I, you know, I don't bring, when I go to poop, I don't bring my phone with me. I have rope and books and I do weird things in the bathroom. Other than being on my phone, I get it. Yeah. So I do national fire radio. I mean, sorry guys, most of your Instagram comes from the bathroom. When you know, when guys first put on air packs, if they haven't done any scuba diving or anything else, that's that's a real problem for them. They feel like sure claustrophobia is huge, especially in fire one. You you experience a lot. And listen, I don't like having that face piece. I hate wearing it. But if you take guys, let's say you're doing a cleanup around a firehouse. Have them wear it. If you if you have if you make your own air, who cares? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't cost whole, you a thing. Right. And then you to go get through the used bottle. to wearing it, and you also know how clumsy it is when you're trying to do stuff. And you'll know when your air's starting to run out, and that feeling that you get. 
And you're going to get that same feeling, even though it's not in a real fire. All of a sudden, you're going to have that light panic. You go, oh, you know. The, the SEBA is the most used tool in the fire service, but it's the most underrated tool in the fire service because people don't train on it. Not yeah, they, they should we, use we it. We go over the rep pack a million times. Yep. How about a regular SEBA? Like, who can put it on? Who can take it off? Who can slant? Who can go through? Yep. You know, whatever. I mean, and the, the crazy part to me about the fire service is, like, we, we had a 30-minute cylinder. Now we're going to have a 45-minute cylinder. It's bigger. I, my mind's boggled by that. Make me bigger. Why won't you make me smaller in 2018? I don't want to be bigger. I want to be smaller. And, like, train on it. Learn, learn the parts of it. It's good, right? Seriously, I mean, what? what? I, no, I listen. That like I had never heard it put that way before. You know, ah, oh, forty-five minute cylinder is going to give us more work, but sweet. In this day and age, great. Yeah. Why That's aren't you great. making me smaller? Make me smaller. You're making me bigger with more entanglement hazards, hotter fires, all that stuff. Makes no sense. Whoever the president of the fire service is, we got to vote him out. That's wild. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's really good. That's really good. So, anyway, so so let's talk about a few other things. Um, I mean, I love where we've been. We're talking a lot of firematics tonight, which we don't often get. So, I kind of just want to keep going with your career a little bit. Um, so, you've been on the job now how many years, Bob? I'm in my 13th year in Camden. 13th year in Camden. 16 in the pension. 16. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's good. What do you see, you know, the city of Camden, for the, we didn't hit on it before. I mean, we've talked about it's a, it's a tough city. Um, I know in years past it's one of the highest crime-ridden cities yes. in the country. Yes. Not just New Jersey, but in the country. Um, it's a tough town, but you said it's going through some revitalization. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to really revitalize the downtown district, and uh, you know, they knocked down a lot of vacant dwellings. And uh, got a new mayor who seems to be progressive, and a lot of it, like Subaru's there. A lot of industries coming in, which is good. I mean, if they're being laid off, I don't care if I ever go to a fire again. I just want to have a job. Sure. You know what I mean? Of course. And unfortunately, it's like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going through uh, – it's, it's, it's very different from when I started. And, you know, it's funny. I always uh, – I'd always make fun of the older guys. Like, ah, I saw more fire in my day. And you'll see it. I'm not a guy now with the young guys. But, yeah, I saw more fire when I was a fireman. You know, it just yeah. – it's like progression of the job. Do you have old guys on the job? We don't. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that because – we get that a lot from a lot of the career guys that have come through the doors here. They talk about the job now, and they say that they don't have the 20, 25-year man. We have a few. Um, I mean, Chris Christie definitely did a number on the job throughout the state. Uh, he shook a lot of guys out of the tree, and yeah. they retired. And, what does uh, that do to the job? kills it. It kills it. Uh, experience, is, uh, experience goes down, and, you know, it's. I never thought I would be a two-year captain with a lot of experience. And in my personal feeling, I still don't have a lot of experience. I'm still, you know, every day trying sure. to learn something. And, you know, it's just a personal thing, I guess. But, you know, you um, – it, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird feeling. You know, you had – when I got on, you had them 30-plus years guys on. Absolutely. I mean, this guy, Joe Cunningham, 30-plus years on. This guy just loved going to fire. He left the job in tears. He left the job in tears. He did not want to leave because – But he had to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he didn't have a choice. And, you know, and for everybody that's out there listening and watching in, uh, a couple of years, well, a few years ago, the state of New Jersey pretty much forced they a, a lot of they, they made a lot of changes to the pension and, and healthcare system and uh, sick time and all the stuff. And it was, uh, you know, either go you lose money. So you, you had to go. Yeah. Nice. If you, yeah. If you kept working past a certain cutoff, you were losing money. And, and do you think like with with some of those senior guys leaving? Do you think that, like, kind of, because I know there's a lot of discussion nowadays on, like, fire science and fire flow, and, like, we're going to hit it hard from the yard, 
and that whole mantra. Full sleep, yeah. And, and and do you think that all had like that whole? <laughs> that kind of like why? Because I think like I, 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 I want to believe in the science, but at the same time I'm like, I yo, know, like I, Roger Dodger over and out, who served over thirty plus years, like never told me that was the thing to do. I subscribe to science when it comes to like science, not firefighting. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's uh, something that's experience based, and we do every day. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. I, I think a lot of guys with a lot of uh, more education than me got together and started started a campaign to do this stuff. And you know, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with them. And you know, I, I get in conversations with people, and that's fine. I I think transitional attack is a is a cowardly method. Mm -hmm. And I can say it here because we're in that forum where you let me say what I want. But sure, you know, yeah. um, I don't know if there's some, I don't care if there's somebody. I can't tell you how many people I've seen pulled out of burn, out of vacant burning buildings, mm -hmm. and how many times I've had people say there's nobody in there when there's somebody in there. Right. So, I don't buy into that stuff. But for senior guys, the older guys, that old generation, the thirty plus year guys, they would laugh at guys like that. Those aren't the guys that are going to the bar on Friday and have happy hour with these old guys. Or the guys that subscribe to something different. They're trying to change the fire service in a way that you know they make people, they make these young guys scared of whatever yeah. it is. You know, maybe they haven't made it always. I don't. I don't know their experience. Or yeah, yeah. I, but like, I don't. I hear all these things, right? We talk about flow path, transitional attack. Like, we did all this before it had names, right? Like, transitional attack is just if you got to knock it down from the inside, but then you're pushing in, like, right. you know, in like, flow, like I don't. I don't know what the. I think I in the class you so, had a video where you were like, hey, look, they take a shot at it, but then they're going. Well, they, well you the, showed that Philly video, right? And it was awesome. Amazing. Which what? And I saw. I remember mm -hmm. seeing that two before minutes, you showed it, right? Twenty-five in Philadelphia, they pulled up to a uh, two-story end of the row. Yeah. Heavy fire. At first going was, it was extended second. Mm -hmm. Two minutes and fifty-six seconds, they knocked down two floors of fire with a single inch and three quarter. Yeah, you know, and, and, and yeah, and, and, and why? They're getting the they're getting the door open. He gave it a couple shots with the window because right. he gave it right there and he went right in and knocked it down. If, if you're calling that transitional attack, I don't think that that's transitional attack. To me, transitional attack is, right. is, is hitting it so, through a window and then like a second floor window and then you're going to the front door. I don't know. I mean, is there but, anybody up but my thing, But my thing is, it's like it's common sense firefighting. We fight fires from the inside out, right? But we have to get inside. So if the fire inherently doesn't let us get in there. We have to knock it down so we can get in there, right? So, like, this whole, like, and it, this goes back to the VEIS. Like, why are we making it? There's always been flow path. Flow path makes sense. Fires want to go to oxygen. Sure. Right? Fires yeah. don't burn any differently than they burned 50 years ago. They just burn a little bit hotter, right? right? But best. they're still, look, they're yeah. still it, looking for oxygen. A little more fuel. The release is a lot faster than it did. Well, back. it's synthetics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. If I came here 50 years ago, I mean, this is probably, you know, it's not wood. It's not wood. Yeah, yeah. all right. It would be a wood table, and they're <laughs> solid wood. We're talking about the best. Yeah, yeah. that's way better beer setup. <laughs> <That's Yeah. laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, but it, 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 it's, it's a fact. I mean, right. I go lecture places in a hall. It's plastic tables. It's yeah. not like that anymore. Oh, uh, I, I, I wood and horsehair furniture. Their couches. Yeah, but, yeah. but talk about flow path. Fire wants to go to oxygen. If you take a window out at the end of the hall, fire inherently is going to go to the window at the end of the hall. Why are we making, like common sense firefighting, street smart firefighting already teaches you these things that now we're assigning definitions to, right? It already, no, I, I don't know. I mean, you're rolling your eyes a little well, yeah, bit. Yeah, there was I'm a just, picture in the fire one book that if you took this window out, the fire was gonna go to it. I, I just, but why, like, and this is, part, <laughs> this is part of what drives me crazy. We've talked about this before with VEIS. Like, 
why do we have to reinvent it with, with cute names or definitions or make it more book than it needs to be? Like, firefighting, again, is a common sense job. Sure. Plain and simple. We got holes in the roof. Why? Because fire likes to spread upward. Heat rises. Smoke rises. That's why we got holes in the roof. Like, there's reasons for what we've done tried and true for all these years. For all these years. So what do we got to, why, why do we got to mess with it? I think people want to make a name for themselves and come up with a new tactic yeah. or, you know, I think it has a lot to do with it. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I wonder, too, if... One, the number, go ahead, and I, and I said it before when we were talking about it earlier, the number one message I get through my Instagram is, thank you for talking about these tactics and I'm like thank me I'm like I this is this is firefighting to me. I don't know I don't know what firefighting is to you, but this is it, it to me like, you know, and I've had people say like, you know, my chief won't bring you in for a lecture because uh, you know, it's too aggressive and I'm thinking I'm too aggressive. I don't what am I doing? You you go in and put the fire out. It, it's it's Yeah. I, I, I get it. Like the, the faster the fire goes out, the faster your problems go away. away. And I don't, any fire I've ever been to in my entire life from 14 to now, when we're putting hose lines on the outside, and pushing, you know, we're hitting from the outside, the fire gets weird, we're there longer, canteens are there. Any fire I've ever been to is push, I, I have a video, one video in one of my slides, I, I like talking about it because I'm a Flyers fan. I'm in North Jersey, I'm going to talk about the Flyers all day long. I can't stand the Islanders, Rangers, whatever you guys like, Devils, you know. Flyers fan. <laughs> but These Southern Jersey guys, yeah. man, they're all Philly fans. Yeah. And like Broad Street Bullies, Phil- bro. Come on. Shut up. But like you, we might ask you to leave in a moment, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, the, the funny story about the Yeah, your followers are gonna go out too, buddy. Yeah. I don't know if you're they they already know it about me. Like yeah, well, a lot of our Penguins fans they hate yeah. me, whatever. But you know, one of the one of the cool things about the video is I was working that day and it was like the first period of the Flyers game, like ten minutes into it. And we went to the fire, and it was wrapping the porches. And I was back to see the third period. Yeah. Like, I was back to see the third yeah. period of the fire. Mm-hmm. It was that crazy, because we went inside and put it out. It's not that It's not that difficult. It's not that I, I agree. I think people over-engineer. I think people are trying to take all the education their parents spent a lot of money on and trying to reinvent something new. And here we are. I don't know. You know, VIS. I think a lot of it has to do with also that 30-year guy that's not in the seat anymore and not there that's putting his foot up, the, the 10-year guy we were, putting I, his I, foot up his ass and saying, get in there, let's I get out of here. I had a conversation about this earlier, uh, my buddy Mike Retko from Hackensack. We were talking about, like, you know, 24-hour shifts. Like, a lot of people train, you know, they go to the job because they have one on, three off, and they can have another career. Like, they're, sure. not, they're, they're not there yeah. for the fire department. There for something else. Yeah, their B job is actually their primary. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you get that, and you deal with it, and you got a bad attitude, and you know. Yeah, that's tough, and I, I think that's. I mean, you know, I can't. Hey, everybody, it's Rob from National Fire Radio. Nature called. We had to take a pee break. It's gonna happen. But we're back, Bobby Eckert in the studio, and we're gonna just pick right up on the conversation where we left off. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, Rob and I alluded to it earlier that we sat in on one of your lectures. Uh, several months ago, and we were taken back by um, just the forwardness of it and the street smart firefighting and street smart tactics and common sense firefighting. Um, and you alluded to something that night when we sat in the training with you about an injury that uh, played a real big part in who you are today. And and it, it didn't happen that long ago, and I think it greatly impacted you. And 
I would just love, you didn't share the story that night, and I felt that it was um, quite emotional. And, uh, you know, off camera, we asked Bobby if, if we could talk about it, and I want to talk about it. And, and he is more than happy to open up yeah, about it. But tell us what happened. So, uh, well, for, it was... Uh, yeah, please. It was uh, January 31st. It was, uh, I worked 30th and 31st, and it was actually a career day at uh, my kid's school, so I was due for career day. And uh, I woke up, we had uh, roll calls at 7 a.m. They put a six o'clock beep, beep out to wake up. It was about a 5.50 in the morning fire uh, at Kramer Hill section, uh, engine nine was ground out. So I was the second due engine going out there and uh, didn't sound like much on the radio going out there. And it actually wasn't that much of a fire, it was a, it was a kitchen fire. And because of uh, some issues there, I had to lay some line in the street to pick up the water supply, and I didn't even cross the threshold. I had no fun with the fire. It was not a lot of fun at all. I didn't do anything, but I, I had to pee so bad. I remember that. I had to pee. It was like, you wake up, you got to pee. I didn't pee. I went on the run. It was a full assignment. So, <clears throat> I was, uh, it was cold, very cold. It was January, obviously. And uh, I was picking up hose, and I have a helmet on, which, think how many times you've picked up hose without your helmet on. Yeah. I probably on it my entire career. Mm -hmm. Might be like the second time I had my helmet on. And I had a piece of, uh, we used four inch uh, rubber jacketed supply line. And I had it over my shoulder to the, right to the top of my ass. And for whatever, for whatever reason, uh, Hydra got charged. It was a 200 foot to a Hydra on a 30 inch main. And it just came up and got me in the back of my head. I remember, I don't remember the pain of the impact, I remember the feeling of the impact. Uh, I collect fire helmets, so I love fire helmets, so I remember watching my fire helmet go that way. I remember, I remember my body going this way, and witnesses say I hit my temple on the corner of the rig, like where the radio is on the pump panel, yeah. hit my head there, and I got up and I radioed, shut the hydro down. Uh, I sound, I've heard the audio, like, you know, I've Tell them that stuff. I don't remember. I don't remember anything. I don't remember really anything at the impact. Um, I woke up on the front bumper of the rig, and my eyes were closed, and there was just a lot of pain. And I opened my eyes, and I couldn't see anything. I was blind. And uh, I had a lot of good friends working uh, that day there with me. Uh, Brian Beach, Gabe, and Jeremy. Uh, Gabe's our best friends. And I just said, Gabe, I, I can't see. I can't see. And you know, EMS was alerted. And they did their, you know nine yards, you know, I got the collar, the whole thing. Sure. I uh, went to Cooper Trauma, and the funny thing about it, so if you know my mom, my mom is a very boisterous uh, person, the deputy chief called my parents' house, and my mom answered, he hung up because he knows my mom. <laughs> he, wanted my, he wanted my dad to answer, to tell my mom. Yeah, and uh, Gabe notified my wife, um, and, you know, they came, my mom was actually surprisingly calm, you know, they, 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 they trauma naked you, so I'm laying there naked, and they gave me drugs and I was on, you know, I had no idea what was going on. I, you know, I'm still blind. You were conscious though? Yeah, I was conscious. I wasn't blind where it was black. It was just blurry. And that lasted most of the 24 hours. Uh, you know, it took probably a day and a half for my eyes to get back to normal. But I was in hospital for 14 days total. And uh, I went to, it was in eight days in Cooper Hospital in Camden. And I went to McGee Rehab. Philadelphia, the city of Camden actually, they afforded me such an opportunity of great health care, and I went, wow, great. I went to um, 
went to McGee Rehab. I was there four, four days inpatient, and I was in our outpatient program for about two months, uh, rehab and trying to get back to the job. You know, I love so much. It was, uh, it was a lot. My wife was my wife was seven months pregnant at the time, so that was uh, that was interesting. Oof. Yeah. And uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, she she's the toughest person I know. She handled like a champ. She she really did. She was she was a rock. And uh, it was a lot. It was you know uh, the first day I was so high on drugs and air. You know it was I had forty people in my you know the fire department. Somebody's hurt. All the guys were up there. Sure. You know it was it was a lot. And uh, you know. You learn who your friends are, and anybody supporting me there, you know, they know who they are, and I love them, and it was, it was a lot, but it, it, it's, it speaks to something where you can do everything right in this job and still get, get knocked down. Sure. I, I wasn't doing anything that anybody hasn't done before. Right. Yeah. It was just, you know, something happened, and I got, I was on the receiving end of it, and, uh... What was the official termination, you know, the official description? What did you, I mean, obviously, so we're, concussion fracture. Yeah, skull, I mean, I, 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 I had a major concussion, I mean... Depending what doctor you talk to, how they classify it, but I, I took all—I took the hit in where my optic nerves were at. My brain slammed against the f uh, front lobe of my head, uh, so I, you know, I, I still have some problems with my right eye. It's, it's weird, like I wake up and my right eye has to focus. But it was funny—I was in, um, and I, this is gonna pain me to say on any venue where it's gonna be recorded, but I read Sidney Crosby's concussion report that cowardly hockey player. That he is. <laughs> That, that takes a big man to admit right, right there, huh? Yeah. He said, uh, he said in his first call, Iris, he said, we just he was, lost he a bunch of expert people. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> they, they know I hate him anyway. But it was setback or setback or setback. I wasn't, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything. And I, I read the concussion report and it said, get off the drugs. Like, he got off the drugs and he was, he was making strides. And I quit drugs cold turkey because they, they really give you a lot of drugs. Uh, you know, I was getting blue and extra trash in my stomach. My stomach was all bruised. And uh, I quit them drugs, and within 24 hours, I was walking. And I couldn't walk for eight days prior to going to the McGee Hospital. I quit the drugs, cold turkey, and I got the McGee. Uh, against the doctor's advice, did not want me to do it. Like I said, the doctor was like, I'm, I'm not doing them. And yeah. um, I had to sign a paper because of homework work comp, obviously. And I quit them, and I was walking. I was walking, so... So for eight days, I mean, you were bedridden, right? I was. It Blurry was, vision. It was. My pregnant wife. Can't walk. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, funny story is my wife was by my side 90% of the time. And, you know, uh, her daughter, my kids, we have two different custody schedules. She obviously had responsibilities to tend to. So the one time she wasn't with me, I'm in my bed, and I'm like, looking out the window, I'm like, damn it. House is on fire right there. No shit. So I'm <laughs> trying to reach my cell phone that is over there to call to call the deputy chief to let him know. Like, like I don't want to call the board. I want to give like the first two company like yeah, give up. my heads like, up. Go, yeah, you go. got a job. And, go. uh, I can't reach my phone, so I try to get up and I go down, man. And nurse come in there yelling at me. I'm like, house on fire right there. It was ripping. It was ripping. And um, yeah, it's unbelievable. That that is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, what a then, story. Then I fell in the bed. I fell in the bathroom. And yeah, a couple setbacks, but yeah, I, I couldn't walk. I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't process things. Uh, I don't know. It was. Uh, Did you? Um, you know, just talking about that. I mean, you know, we're talking about a job and a career that you love, and to be laid up like that, right? I mean, scared that's really. Them. Yeah. It was. It was uh, to be honest with you, I didn't think about the job. I thought about my family. I sure. thought about the baby that was coming. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't even like. 
I gotta be honest with you, anybody that is blind, my heart goes out to you because me not being able to see scared the living shit out of me to the point where everything I was doing from putting water in my eyes to rubbing them, nothing was changing the blindness and scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I thought, I mean, I had, I had two doctors come in and say, you're never going to work again. Like, you're not going to be a fireman again. Like, if you take a hit to the head, you have a seizure. And that's what they were really worried about, the seizure. But, you know, I couldn't drive. Yeah. You know, coming back, like, you know, I get out of the hospital, I get discharged, I couldn't drive. And I had a driver take me to rehab every day. And um, I couldn't find a driving. you got to go to driving rehab. So, like, if you you got to go drive with an instructor, make sure you can drive with all these mm. bells and whistles in the yeah. car. That's a thing? It is. My dad did. I'll tell you what we should we should we should open drive rehab in the corner of the market because the one in Philly is backlogged like three months to get on the list and then like is this medically required or like yes. is the state required no, medically like, medically required for you to huh. go to drive rehab? Do you have any brain injuries? Yeah. Hey everybody, Jeremy from Hey guys from driving rehab. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Jeremy from Drivers Rehab. We could be opening up when we do it. Yeah. That's wild. I'm from Spotify. They're telling me like dates like to September of this year, and I'm like. No, nah. like I got to drive. Like we're having this baby. We got sure. kids. Right. I got to drive. So, city of Camden again graciously said I talked to the, uh, you know, the people who do work. You know, all, all the uh, injuries, and they're like, you know, you, if you find a place, we'll take you. We'll pay for it. But we're just not going to pay transportation. Okay, that's fine. So I find a place in Hershey, PA, and I call my great friends from the Harrisburg Fire Department: Jason Wood, Kyle Bird, Nick Lindsay. And uh, I call them up and I say, "Listen, I'm coming. Uh, I'm coming to Her- or Hershey for driving rehab." They're like, "What the hell's that?" Yeah. So, you know, I explain to them, and <laughs> there's a fucking nor'easter coming on the heel of me going this drive rehab. Like my wife drives on 30 Street Station. I'm getting on this train, and I get on the train. I go, and I get to the Lancaster stop, and they're like. Um, yeah, it's, it's snowing so bad, we're, we're doing snow schedule, and I get a phone call, and I'm at Lancaster, like, they're they're shutting down drive rehab, like, no, no, no. It's just gonna happen, I'm like, yeah. I'm on the way. Yeah. And I talked to the guy, he's, he's like, if you're here at 6 a.m., I'll drive, I don't care what the conditions are. So I pull up to Harrisburg, I got a ladder two in Harrisburg, the hook and ladder, them guys met me, drove me to their firehouse, put me out for the night, and uh, my friend Kyle Burton, he uh, drove me to rehab that day the snow yeah and to drive rehab but you know just the brotherhood again of course I mean that goes through deeply then that, that I hung out the Allison firehouse all day which is like you know going to have them anyway so I'm sure yeah so, I'm sure yeah it was uh it, it was it was a very interesting experience I, I learned who my friends were I learned who my friends weren't were uh, you know it's from from the injury to get back to, like, I'm sure there was progression throughout, right? So, yeah. you know, injury, you get out of the hospital. Now you have a considerable rehabilitation, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I mean, they, they had me doing, like, a lot. So I, they were, I, w- I felt like I was their guinea pig. They did, like, a lot of high-impact stuff for me. Like, I took my turnout gear there, and they I was on the treadmill. I was doing, like, weird, all kinds of weird shit with my turnout gear on. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, they're, and the gear we have, they're used to seeing people that can't use a lot of their, if you ever have a chance to go there, you want to humble yourself about people's rehabilitation and life, like their strokes and things of yeah, that nature. Yeah. You know, I was with, uh, you know, a few people that had some serious injuries at work, and they, you know, they lost, you know, half their body, and you know, they can only use, you know, it was it was very humbling. But you know, they, I had a lot of high impact and 
intensity training to get back. Yeah. You know, on it. And it was, it was frustrating and good at the same time. But you had incredible goals. I mean, you had a beautiful wife, family, child on the way. I had to get back to the job. You I want to get back to the job? the job? Yeah. Right. But exactly. it's funny. I had, I had old retired guys. I never even met their name. I don't even know them. I don't even yeah. know their names. They're calling me. You better pension out, kid. Take this gift. Like they're yelling at me on the phone. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, right, right, right. right, 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 right. Like, this is your golden banana. Yeah, like, <laughs> now nah, I'm, I'm good. I, I want to do my 30 years. Yeah. I'm not an attorney. He's going to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So from, like, from injury on. to back in line, back on the line, how long, what time frame was that? It was uh, three months. Wow. That's yeah. not bad. It wasn't, and uh, you know, no, I, mean, I don't want to do it. No, but for what happened to yeah, him, I, you have no, to go I don't. Yeah, you're trying to have a borderline TBI to. It could, have been, it, it could have been longer. I pushed it. You know, it, it was time. I was starting to get nutty at home. You can ask my wife. We were tired of seeing each other. I'm sure. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it was it was a lot for me. How was it walking back into the firehouse for the first time after that? I cried. Yeah? I cried going to the parking lot. Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm an emotional guy. I get it. it, it I get was, it. Uh, you know, from, from, I've already lost that job once. Yeah. And, you know, losing again because of injury and walking back in there. And... To be honest, we had the support from the men and women of the Camden Fire Department. It made me even more happy to be a Camden Fireman. You know, it was awesome. It was, it was, it was, it was good. And I, you know, I'm in a better place today. I still, you know, my right eye is whatever. And you know, re again, reading, I don't want to say his name. That Pittsburgh hockey players, I don't want to say his that name. guy. Yeah, yeah, the guy. Re reading his report, yeah. um, you know. It takes time, and everything. Every, no, there's no two concussions are same, and whatever. So here I am. And it just was crazy in the class because, I, like you know, I said you had that picture of you up, and you're just like, hey. This well, is I put the one of me naked up there. Yeah. I, I blocked out my, my goods, and mm -hmm. you know, it's it's for laughter. You know, laugh at my. I, 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 but it was still that like there was that laughter, but you were still like, hey, this can happen. Like, it can happen. To I'm anybody. here in front of you, and I'm telling you by pointing at the you screen. You can do everything this is what happens. Happens. Yeah. You know, and. It was a freak act, you know, accident, injury, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, I, I never, I was like maybe like break my arm or something at work. I never thought I would have like a head injury and like it was yeah. like you know, nobody knows. It was, it was a lot of frustration. Like people are like, I don't know, doctors. I don't know. You know, we gotta see what happens. Like, Jesus Christ, give me something here. Yeah, something concrete you know? to yeah. make a plan. But the, I, I will say, the city of Camden, they were outstanding with my treatment. I, I can't thank them. Awesome, awesome, and then the brotherhood too. Uh, yeah. I never, I never was alone. Um, Harrisburg is a common theme that runs through this room. Sure. Uh, Deputy Chief Cowman, his son, uh, works Chris, there. Yeah. Works there. Um, and then just uh, uh, Tucker that was here from First Two Fabrication and Fire and Safety. He's got some nice connections there and, and friends there. And it, it just seems that I know Harrisburg is a fire city, and they they do a lot of work a lot of there. Tradition, a lot of tradition. And, yeah. And that's what I was getting at: is their tradition and culture there, and love for the job, just stands out every time you talk about Harrisburg. It's you talk about how talented and gifted those firemen are, and the firefighters are, and and the and the pride that they have. And I just we hope to get out there and you know and do something there one day with them. And uh, but. You know, I mean, how cool! They pick you up, they take care of you. It was, uh, it was funny. I, I remember, I uh, I got off the train <laughs> and Kyle had a sign that said money. It was just funny. You know, these yeah, right. my best friends. It's, it's, it was good. You know, it just that's how they are out there. Yep. You know, they, they would never not let me go out there and not stay with them. And 
that's just you know if I did if I if I was out there and didn't let them know that they'd be pissed off at me. Sure, so, you know. It's, sure, and that's the that's the side too that like I hope people are still subscribing to in this yeah. business because I think a lot of that's getting lost and I think a lot of the culture and unconditional love and support for another brother or so on is starting to get lost in this well, job. So two stories, you know, I was in McGee Rehab and, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl and the city was locked down. My wife couldn't get over to see me and uh, Philadelphia, the tour commander and, and the battalion chief in that local downtown came. I had no idea who they were. They came up and saw me and shook my hand. I don't even know their name to this day. They That's came up and shook my hand. It was it was unbelievable. And that, like, they didn't have to do that. Right. You know, I was... That's incredible. And, and it's stories like that that kind of just reaffirms the whole brotherhood, you know? Brother, makes, yeah. The fraternity, I mean, yeah. the whole deal. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's wild. Yeah. What a story. Yeah, it's, you know, but I'm, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm and that was this this year, it was correct? January 31st, yeah. So 2018, wow. so I mean, we're only talking a few months ago. It's not... Uh, yeah. What is that What is that done to you on the line? Has it changed you at all? Has it... Uh, no. No, I... I uh, back at it. Yeah, I just wanted... I, it's, it's what I wanted to do. It, it was getting that first fire, which I was... Because there was a... I went back. Uh, we had a, a, a vacant structure where I, I went through with my rehab team, and I went through a maze, and I started feeling my symptoms, and I kind of panicked. And I've never panicked in any type of, you know, entanglement thing, and I panicked. I ripped a mask off. It was, it was, to me, like getting shot in the neck. I, I, I was embarrassed. I went home. He asked my wife. I was emotional. Yeah. And I was like, what the, f you know, like, yes. this, this isn't me. And, you know, going back, I had to get that first fire, and I got it, and it was, like, I went to saddle. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It, it, it was where I needed to be. Awesome. It was good, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you just got to, if you're ever in that situation, just slow down. Because I, I wasn't slowing down. I'm, like, telling people, like, I'll be back in a month, and they're like, you're not, it's not happening. Like, I was setting goals that weren't achievable, like set achievable goals, like I'm going to walk first, I'm going to do this first, and, you know. Yeah. But again, it, my, my wife, she's a, I wouldn't mess with her, dark alley. But my woman, my, my woman, my wife my is, woman, my, my woman, my wife <laughs> yeah, is strong, why, Terry, stronger, right. <laughs> stronger than me at times 10. I mean, it's, uh, they, they make us tick, so yeah. I can appreciate that and understand that, and thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. Yeah. you know, yeah. if anybody, you know, again, it's. I mean, that, that's a career changer, game yeah, changer, life it, changer. It definitely changed my career and outlook on things and yeah. life, and I'll never be the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. But well, I think one thing, I, like when we were in the class and you were like, "Hey, this is like," you gave us a brief snapshot of what happened. I remember a guy in Poughkeepsie was doing hose testing, and a coupling let loose and kind of rocked him. And I was like, wow, like that could have been him. Like, it, like, and it could have been so much worse. So it's yeah. just like. If I didn't have my helmet on, they said I would have died. So. so now, think you, about that. Do you have your helmet still? Like, is there damage to your helmet? No, it better not be. I would, yeah. If, I, if it was damaged, I would send the Rag Top Fire Helmet Restoration in New Haven, Connecticut for repair. <laughs> so let's talk about that real quick. Because yeah. that's a buddy of yours. Yeah, and yeah. He's, a, he's a big Instagram guy. Yeah, Pete Callen uh, runs Ragtop uh, Industries. And uh, he does any and all of your helmet repair needs to a point where he takes your helmet like it's his own and does his shop is amazing. He you know, puts the heart and soul into it. Firefighter? Yes. He's, on, he's, on, he's on New Haven. New Haven, Connecticut, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he uh, he's one of my best friends. And... It's fun. I keep saying my best friends because these guys. I mean, it's it's a story you're running, and 
he's a great guy. He does great things up there. If you ever get a chance to go to a shop, which I hope you guys do one day, I would. We'll he, go uh, in a heartbeat. We get the invite. We'll be there he, tomorrow. Uh, you know, he. Uh, it's it's really cool to see him do. He just does the extra touch to everything. He treats it like it's his helmet to the point where, you know, even if you didn't send it out for this reason, he's going to fix it anyway. And, yeah, know, it's just every product puts out and. Uh, yeah, Pete, Pete does the right thing. So, and that, guys, just for a heads up, that's Ragtop Industries on Instagram. Uh, just look that up real quick. We're already following him. He follows us. Um, I love it. I mean, I love this community. I love having you here um, because we're it, the same names keep coming up, right? It's yeah, like yeah. the guys that are doing it right, and we've talked about this, right? We talked about it off camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I, it's so important in this business to just be stand up, authentic, be yourselves. And love the job. Just and being I think, a gentleman, you know. It, yeah. It's you know, it's people try to stab each other back, and it's, it's not about that. Just like you said, we talked before, staying in your lane, yep. doing your thing, yep. and you know, Pete's fire helmets, and you know, he sells fast boards too. If you're trying to plug that, but you know, he, he does his thing. Stay in your lane. Yeah. What, what was it? Fa the fast board. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, not trying. I'm not, I'm not trying to plug it. I just he sells right. it. I don't know. We'll have to go out and see him. Sorry. We're going to have to. So, I'm sorry, yeah. Pete. I'm sorry. Pete, right? Pete, I'm sorry. Pete, send us an invite. We'll be up there anytime, yeah. brother. But um, anyway, I mean, what a fantastic night. Well, yeah. I mean, this was, this was really crazy. good. Is there anything that you want to hit on? Is there anything that we missed? I mean, I so just. What's your pet peeve? That's what I want to know. There's got. Wow. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I like how every now and then I come out with a question and I look at it. I'm like, like the Katie Corey. Can you be God. more specific in pet peeve and what? In and the fire fire firefighting. And, and like, <laughs> so like right, here, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll roll it in. Like, as a, as a company officer, what's your pet peeves? Uh, my as, as a company officer, I would say my pet peeve is people not taking the job as serious as it is. Okay. Um, you know, they come in and it's, they think it's something, and they're taught something, and it's it, it's so much serious. So much more serious than what it is, and I see it a lot. You know, up to a lot of people's a job, and nobody, you know, you get cliche about death and all that and injury, but it does happen. And mm -hmm. you know, you, you got to be squared away. I, I, the job as a company officer is so serious. I don't think people realize how serious it is. And I think everybody is such in a race to get to that spot that they don't understand the, the fathom responsibility of sitting in that right front seat. I mean, you have you are in a position where you have to sacrifice for the people around you. You do. Like, that's your job. Like, I, you know, and not, again, not to sound cliche, but, like, that's my job. Well, it's not cliche at all. I, I, that's legit. I have three human beings in my rig where I might have to put myself in a position where, you know what? I got to put my, I got to put myself in danger to get you guys home. Right. And wh whatever that is. And, and that, and that danger cannot be on the fire floor. That danger could be on a vehicle accident. Like, yeah. when I go on the highway, I leave my guys in the rig. Don't get out. These people drive like friggin' idiots. I always think of the 18-year-old girl. She's not looking at the goddamn roadway. She's looking at her cell phone. She's going to slap the side of our rig and kill all of us. No way. Stay in the rig. I'll get hit by the car. You guys stay here. I don't want to do the paperwork if you get by the car anyway. You know that? <laughs> True. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, you know, and, and, and it works, you know, in a way of danger of, you know, uh, chain of command, fire administration. If they're coming down on you, like, no, that you come down on me, I'll come down on my men. Like, yeah, I take the hit. Yeah, I take the hit. And a lot of you know, if you're going to be a company officer, you better be ready to sacrifice for not only yourself but your men. Like, 
I remember I got promoted. And my father, we wear like the light blue up band shirts, which I can't stand. Which wore dark blue. Everyone's listening. <laughs> but somebody just asked crooked letters. Maybe they are crooked. I don't know. But if you're going to be a company officer, you better be ready to not wear that badge for yourself. It is not for you. Like I got my badge in my wallet over there, and it's awesome for when I get pulled over or I try to get twenty dollars off the movies. My wife makes twenty for having the badge in my wallet, but it's not for me. It's for the men. Is for that man. Enjoy your promotional ceremony. Mm-hmm. Raise your right hand. Go get drunk that night. You earned it. It's not for you. It's for the men. And that's why I wear my, you know, my orange school for the men. Like I'll do anything for my guys. Anything, anything. And to the point where, if there's a, an order that I think is poorly written, and they want me to write a guy out, and it's between me and him getting write up, I'll take the write up because it's your poor management style. You know, you, you got to sacrifice. Yeah, you got to be ready to sacrifice. And if you don't want to do that, or don't think you can handle that, or you're doing it for yourself, and you're doing it to have the you know Facebook fire department, I hope it's still the norm, Bobby. It's not. And yeah, I mean that's that's it's the, not. And you know, the first time I ever rode the right front seat of a fire truck on a fire call was when I got promoted to Camden Fire Department. I never rode it on a fire call. I rode it like taking rates here and there. I never rode that right front seat. Any other aspect of my life. I remember going there, and that guy's telling me, like, you know, you're going to be nervous and all that stuff. I was. I was very nervous, but I was not nervous or anything fire-wise. I worked at Squad 7 for five years, but, you know, it's the busiest unit in the city. Like, I felt pretty confident fire-wise. I was a little nervous I would make maybe the wrong decision or get a little too excited. I don't know. But, you know, my dad really pumped me up for that first tour to the point where, you know, these men, whoever they are, were... I don't care who they are. I got to put them first. And, you know, if you don't, shame on you. And if you want to put yourself first and your agenda first and your ego first, go be a cop. Go be a cop. Because their haircuts, you can go get one and look just like them. I think one of the things that I got. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. But one of the things that, you know, when you're you're going about, like I said, that even about the company officer, and it was from your class, it's all about credibility. This is what you said you said about the company officer. It's all about credibility. You're no longer a worker. And you touched on that. And it was something that I actually struck me and I actually started. The hardest to... thing I ever did, I'll tell you my first fire was captain. Yeah. We had a fire and um, it was on Chestnut Street and we had an engine browned out and a poor people trapped in the second floor and I'm going to the second floor as hard as I could and I had people stop me. I, I had the ladder guys stop me. And they're like, What are you doing? I'm going to second floor, and they're like, no, you're the captain. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the captain. You're right. I'm not going to the second floor. I'm staying right here because you're the fireman, and I'm the supervisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're no longer at work. Your, your other one was lead from the front? Always. Uh, know that you have zero limitation. None. And and that that was like, for me, because I'm like sometimes I feel like I'm boxed into a corner about like, hey, you can do this, you can do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Like, ask permission. And I was like, all right, cool. Like Bobby Eckert said, it's all right to do this. So I'm going to go out and do it. <laughs> yeah, always. Uh, take care of the men. They will make or break you. Don't depend on anyone. Make your company self-sufficient. Know what rules can be bent and how to bend them. I, uh, I have a pinship with that one. Don't assign a task that you've never completed. And that was a huge one because you, you hit on that. Like That was one of your point on. You're like, 
if you're if you're going to tell somebody to do something that you've never done, you're an asshole. It's truth, and uh, again, it goes back to my father as a child. Like if, if I tell you to do something I've never done before, I'm an asshole to tell you to do it. And it's one of the things where I had a lot of good company officers uh, in my career. I, I, I don't think I, I really don't think I worked for a bad one assigned. I, I don't think I was ever assigned to a, a bad uh, captain. Actually, the, my first captain, I relieved him in the morning, and he's uh, he's retiring at the end of the year, which is actually kind of cool. And you know, he's a good dude. He, you know, he, he knows the city like the back of his hand. And you know, from every boss, you can take away something. And I'm not the end all be all. I'm sure I have a lot of negative traits in the in the firehouse. You know, sometimes I just want to be left alone. Yeah, right. Sure. You know, things like that. But you know, when the bell goes off and you got to run for whatever it is. You got to take the run serious, whether it's a gas leak, a seal run, or a house fire people trapped. You're entering somebody's life where they called nine. They felt the need to pick up the phone and dial nine one one. I've never dialed nine one in my entire life. I have no idea what it's like to do so. So I can't imagine. But they felt the need to. If you don't go in there and treat those people with compassion, you're the you're you're the voice. You're you're the person they're going to meet. You're the company yep. officer. Yep. So whether your career volunteer doesn't matter. And you know. I go places and teach, and people are like, well, you're a career fireman. You can do this and this and this. I laugh at you because you're a volunteer fireman and have access to your equipment 24-7. I have access to my equipment two days a week, two 24-hour shifts a week. That's when I have access to my equipment. You can go to your firehouse on a Sunday night and rack line, pull line, do whatever you want. You can text guys, meet me up here, whatever. I don't want to hear your excuses. It's good, but seriously. No, it, yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right, 100%. It, 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 and it, it, it's sad that people have this career volunteer thing too. It, 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 it breaks my heart. It does when I go out there and teach. Like I'm like, I don't want. I really don't want to hear it. I really don't. And you know, I, I've been all over teaching, and you know, it's, some people get it, some people don't. Yeah. You know, but you know, as a company officer, you either get it or you, you don't. And, yeah. You know, everybody, everybody listening, everybody sitting here, knows people who should not be a fire officer. Those people who shouldn't be a fire chief, and the main reason you, you, they're not good at their job is because they don't want to take care of the people in front of them. They want to take care of themselves. Which rolls right into the next thing of, of you and I. You're the first one. Yeah, sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I never went to journalism school or nothing. Uh, but micromanaging is a sign of weakness. It is. And you bend the rule for your men. And 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 I, I worked under a micromanager before. And I like when you said that, I was like, "Holy, that was that really horrible time in my life when I hated going to work." Well, it, it, it's if, I, if I ask you to take the trash out, and I walk with you while you're taking the trash right. out, you're gonna feel a certain way. But if I tell you to take the trash out and I don't follow you, you're probably gonna like enjoy doing it. I don't know. Like my my, my son Bobby's gonna be nine. His job is trash. He takes he takes the trash out. I never follow him outside. I don't know. He does it. I know the trash gets there because it's there when I go to put it out on the curb. But you know, I don't know what he does. He could. Meet a girl out there. I don't know. You know, it's right. <laughs> it, it, it's micromanagement is just a sign of insecurity and weakness. And, Great. And and, and 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 it's it goes back to you not knowing or doing a job you've ever done yourself. So if I asked you to, I need you to take a line to the exposure, and we got a balloon frame and it, it's running, it's going laterally. I need you to hook up ceilings, whatever. And I'm gonna micromanage you doing it. That means I don't have confidence in myself. Doing that task myself, that makes sense. I said myself. No, I get it. Yeah, I, no. I get it completely. I get it completely, and especially in the managerial style, when you micromanage others, 
you're right. It's because one, the manager himself isn't confident in it, or two, he didn't instill the correct values and knowledge into and, and, the And it isn't in the fire service. This isn't life. Yes. Life. This isn't life. Like Absolutely. You, you treat people they want to be treated. Right. You know, don't don't break balls. Right. You know, it, it's but but for the limitations thing, and I say that in almost every class I teach for a company officer, you've got to have zero limitations. Even if you have limitations, even if you've never been to a basement fire, you've never been to a high-rise fire, you've never been to a fire field trap, whatever, don't let your men know that you have a limitation in this. you got to be hard, you know, you got to be a stone wall and a hard man. Because when you show a sign of weakness, when you're crazy, when you're freaking out, everybody else behind you is going to be that way. If you're cool, calm, collective, like a cucumber, everybody else is going to be that way. The same way we're talking on the radio, you can tell. I hate talking on the radio. I hate it. I can't but stand it. if you stay calm, everybody else stays calm coming to the scene, no matter how bad it is. Of course. You know, yep. you, you you know, there is a great video out there a couple of weeks ago that I watched from it. It was a, it was a law enforcement video, but it, it's going to tie in. It was a shooting that happened at a gas station in a minivan. The guy pulled a gun on the cops. He got a couple shots off. He shot him. So now he got the blood. He like that your gun guy. Yeah, I keep self-defense stuff, so it was a gun. But like the thing that I got out of it was this senior sergeant. You could tell he was a senior man because the one guy, like it was his body camera, and he fired off a couple of shots, and he's still amped up. He's still 120 miles an hour, and like they're moving the shield, and he's just, this guy was comms. This is the sergeant that got shot and then led them going back to the van. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, no, calm yeah. down. He, he got We're going to move to the right. Body armor. And, and he and was just, and back. he's guiding them through, and he was like, and it was such a great leadership moment because, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're getting shot at, you're getting shot at. That's life or death. And he's just sitting there like, nope, calm down. Keep yep. your gun pointed that way. And look, and we're going to move in, and we're going to be professionals because that's what we are. That's how you awesome. be. I mean, everybody gets a little excited on radio, especially when you have whatever in front of you. I mean, yeah. everybody laughed at me my, my first fire. I gave a report as an officer. I thought the chief was going to report. He didn't get the report. He thought I was going to get the report, but he didn't get the report. So I ended up getting on the radio and giving the report. And it was loud and fast, and I got made fun of royally for it. But, you know, it's... Every, everybody's going to make a radio mistake. Of course. My, my father always says, you're not a company officer until you burn one down. Everybody's going to burn one down, too. You know, it's... Everybody makes mistakes. You're not perfect. Nobody's yeah. perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. He's not perfect. He's not perfect. Everybody's going to fuck up in this job every day. I make mistakes all the time. Do I wish sometimes I handle things better than I do? Yeah, of course. You know, I'm not... We all do. Everybody. We all do. life. You're a human being. And not only that, but this job, inherently, you're making split-second decisions. Right. And inherently, right. you're not going to make the right decision every single time. But yeah. what you got to do about the decision you make, how you handle what well, and, 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 and to go back to the limitations thing, like, if you're not comfortable in something, if I'm not comfortable in something, in my life, I've always sought out experts in that field of, of whatever it is. And I've learned things from them and done things from them and, you know, bought into what they're doing and applied it to my everyday life. But right. yeah. fire service. Yeah. Now, can I follow up with another question or are you uh, No, go ahead, man. Go right Geraldo through that notebook. Right Come on, Geraldo. All right. So the next part was tips for success. And is that this is just great stuff. I'm not trying to give up this whole program here. Okay, too, but uh, to check your feelings at the door. Always. This isn't This isn't a... This is the War Mr. War Mr. Boys Choir Club here. It's the fire department. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that when they took the bars out of the volunteer fire service, we started attracting weird people. And, you know what, at the end of the day, when you're a volunteer fireman, you had a problem with somebody, you went to the bar and back, 
he had a couple beers and he hashed it out. It's not like that anymore. You go on Facebook, you go on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. I don't know. But I really think if you want to get your feelings hurt, again, go be a police officer. You guys can all have the same haircut. And then the other thing was you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. I love it. I have so much to say about all this, but I don't want to jump in. I mean, I, you're just hitting this on the head. No, I mean, really it, it's, it's, I always, and I said to you today, um, I, I, don't, I don't know where my career will take me. I mean, I've always wanted to be a Camden fireman. I always wanted to be an engine captain. I'm an engine captain. I, I, mm-hmm. my, my dream in life is fulfilled, and it's amazing every day that I go there. And, you know, I always consider myself, I always get a little emotional going to work and, Anybody watching call me sissy. I don't really care, but I get emotional walking to the back door. And I'm a little weird. I carry my halogen with me in my truck, and I put my halogen out, and I'm a, I'm a weird guy like that. Or pro bar. It's not a halogen. It's a pro bar. But, you know, I consider myself that 14-year-old kid from Collinswood, New Jersey, who was a fire explorer, and I'm still that pimple-faced, weird-looking kid who was awkward and didn't really know where he was going. And, you know, you gotta if you forget where you come from in any aspect of this job, you're going to be a shitty leader and people are not going to like you. You may have a seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven thousand dollar a month pension, but people are not going to want but want to buy you a fucking drink at a retirement dinner. And I'd rather have a one thousand dollar a month pension and have everybody buying me a drink at a retirement dinner because you know what? My men's what they think of me means more than anything than any dollar amount you want anything in this job. I agree yeah. with you a thousand percent. I think legacy yes. is so important. In Absolutely. I would rather be I would rather have a strong legacy and be known to be right and a stand-up brother than to be, you know, somebody that ends up with millions in the bank and just walked over anybody to get there. Absolutely. And, and that's so important. I mean, it just speaks to character, but yeah. I think that part of it is starting to get lost. And I think talking about legacy, I mean, I know, like, the upbringing I had, and you talk, you talk about your upbringing a lot tonight with how your father and mother raised you. And, and your values is directly because of the way they raised Absolutely. you. And I'm, I'm a firm believer. And I think that's part of what's missing today is just, you know, ethics, morals, the right way to be raised and so on. And that's a whole other conversation. But what I'm getting at is this, is when I do, th- I remember when I used to smoke cigarettes and never smoked in front of my parents a day in my life. Camel lights. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. More about reds. When I was trying to be tough, I'd rip the filters on and just smoke the camels. But but I never but here's the thing. I had such a one hump or two. That's a whole nother night. <laughs> so, so the long long story short of all this is is the fact that I had such respect for my parents and the name that I carry sure. that I did not want to disappoint mm-hmm. them or or make them feel less of me because I felt that I was raised better and I should have known better. So when when I worked at a Squad Seven, I went there. Um, <clears throat> it's the project. In my opinion, it's a covenant spot in the camp fire department. And, I mean, it's tattooed on my wrist. Uh, I, I, it was, anybody who knows me is watching this, they know how I feel about sentence. But uh, when I went there, I didn't I didn't put in to go there. I put in to go someplace else, and there was a spot. And, you know, I, I got a chance to go there. And I remember going there, and I, when I got my front piece and putting that seven on my helmet, I just thought to myself, like, I remember walking in my first tour, like, I will burn the back of my face off for the seven on my helmet. I will awesome. not ever go. I will go as deep as I can go. I will do whatever I have to do to be a part of this organization. And, you know, that that, that has never left me. And, 
you know, I am so proud of the Acanda Firemen to the point where I have been in fist fights about it. And I, you know, you know, people say, oh, another vacant house fire. I will break a beer glass in your face. I don't care. Like, you know, those are my brothers. I don't care what you're saying. Let's fight about it. You know, and not that I'm saying it's the right thing to do, but everybody should have that passion about what they do, where they're from. And, and, Hell yeah. And, and, What's a belief? Absolutely. And it's a value, and it's close to you, and that's, you're going to defend it. Like, Absolutely. That's, I mean, because everything I buy into, I buy into this every day. This is my life, you know. This, I mean, it's my life. This job is my life. And, you know, when I didn't have it, I was nutty. And, you know, I, I got a little humbled by not having it for twice my life so far. I, yeah. I haven't had it, you know. But, you know, again, going back to the company officer thing, and, you know, it's integrity, it's reputation, it's consistency, it's breeding good people. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're not for the men, if you're not for the, the goal, you are a straight-up asshole who has an ego that should have retired 10 years ago, and the job has passed you. And you know what? Good riddance. Good riddance, I'll never buy you a drink. Because, you know, the, the, the fireman that I know, the fireman I know that, that because even if you're a deputy chief, you're a fireman. You know, of course. You're a fireman, and you go that way. You're the guy who is taking care of people, worrying about people. You know, there's a deputy chief in my job, deputy chief classman. I mean, Every day that I was in the hospital, he not only texted my wife to make sure I was okay, but it was in my hospital room every day. He didn't have to do that. You know, it, it, it's just it's the little things that go a long way in this job, and that's what's missing right now. Yes, sir. That's what's missing. Yeah, well put. Now, well put. one of the other, like, and I'm going to kind of roll them into three here, but, like, you had respect to senior man, find a mentor or mentors, and then your positive and negative mentors, like, hit on that because I mean I think that like we don't respect the senior people because I think new guys come in and they're so, just like oh that's that, that's Tucker he's I the ex-chief I'm not going to listen to him we, we, we kind of talked about it earlier um, you know when the bell goes off and you got to go to the firehouse and maybe miss the break but there's that old guy that comes out like I love the old guy mm-hmm. well first off in, in our generation right now he's probably like a veteran of a war you can probably talk to him about that which is cool in itself but that pain in the ass guy who wants you to make them coffee, guess what? In 30 years, you're going to be that fucking pain-in-the-ass guy. So get, like, one of us is going to be. Out of the four of us sitting here, yeah. it's going to be one of us. It's going to be, yeah. You know, it's probably going to be you. Yeah. Just kidding. No. But, no, seriously. No, yeah. If, it's... if you don't respect the seniority, like, they fought these fires. Yes. Like, they went to seven fires a day, or maybe I went to seven fires in, in six months, you know, Ambition and moaning about being hurt or whatever, like fuck that. Like these guys did it. They right. did it with less equipment, with three quarter boots, rubber coats, corduroy, corduroy yeah. collars, leather helmet, no hood, and they laughed at fireball it. Fireball Yeah, yeah. yeah there was that. a guy in Detroit on YouTube who did an interview when he first got on the job, and he was just like, you know, I went to X amount of fires, and like these people died, and I came back, and like. One of the senior guys like, you all right? And I'm like, oh, man, it was a rough day. It's like, yo, you didn't have a rough day. Like, you had a day. The people out in the street had a rough day. You're here. And the like, senior guy is usually, the, the real senior guy is usually the one breaking your balls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but you can find some common ground with him some way. He doesn't want to be taken care of. You can find a way to take care of him and, you know. And he appreciates it and respects it. He'll never let you know it. No, but, like, that's yeah. his way. But I'll tell you what, if you get him out of the firehouse and, like, maybe to the Christmas dinner and you buy him a beer... That's usually when he opens up. It's not going to be in the firehouse. But, you know, it's... Uh, the senior man, 
is, and we talked about it in, in, in the career job in New Jersey, it's kind of going to be a lost thing. And it's tough, you know, but those old guys, even in your roster firehouse, the guy who Halsey Watson has, he's 87 years old, and he's a big pain in the ass, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to spend more than a hundred dollars on the monthly meeting. Right. Find out why he doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it might be a good backstory to it. And and you're absolutely right. And I mean, that's, that's why we're here. You know, I mean, that inherently yeah. when when we all talked about starting this platform, that's what it was about, right? It was about finding out what does the senior, what makes the senior man tick. How do we make? How do we carry on their stories and culture, and make this a go? And uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, and it drives it drives our business. I I miss a lot of the senior guys, and it's hard to believe um, that some guys in my class and my job are considered senior guys. I mean, they deserve it. They deserve the distinction of, of, of the experience. But you know, they're they're my age, a couple of years older, and you know, they have a lot of time left on the job. So you know, it's a weird yeah. thing. What were the other points? I'm sorry. I no, finding the mentors. And so your positive, negative mentors. So the the. Finding a mentor is a hard thing to do because they got to want to be a mentor. You know what I mean? They got to want to be your mentor. And, you know, sometimes you might have a mentor, you might not even know it. And, you know, if you can find that mentor and push you in the right direction, it's a. Uh, and that's one of the things I try to do when I, when I go and teach is I'm not looking to be everybody's mentor personally, but like maybe I can mentor you through one of my classes and again you know one of my biggest things is, is making myself accessible to anybody who takes one of my classes or is on my Instagram page you can send me a message you can call me you can please don't call me I don't, I'm not going to answer the phone but if you text me if you text me I'll get back to you sorry, sorry if you text me I'll get back to you and you know so no phone calls people. no but you know a, a mentor and I, I told you this story before it's the third time I said it but like when I was 17 years old I sent Vincent Dunn an email and in 48 hours, the guy got back to me, and I almost had a heart attack when I saw the inbox. Yeah, you know, it was like AOL. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was like, course. holy shit, you got but, mail. Like this guy took the time to email me, and he's Vincent Dunn. Like that guy's, yeah. a, he's he's he's, he's a god. god. You know, I mean, he, he, he's a, he's an evil genius. And but it's like seeing like you look like a guy like Mike Lombardo. You could, if you see Mike Lombardo, yeah. you yeah. see sit here right now, yeah, have a beer, and you know, these are the guys who you want to surround yourselves with. Mentors, you want somebody who is positive, has a positive outlook, who isn't pissed off, and you know has a negative thing. But you know, positive and negative mentors, I've learned a lot from the good mentors, just like the negative ones. Like I've learned a lot of what not to do. Like I've seen people make a lot of like shitty mistakes on fires, shitty mistakes. Yeah, that's a good point. Though you know, you do learn from shitty mentors. Like I'm like, dude, I will never, I will never (laughs) do. I mean, I've seen some crazy shit on the job, and I'm like. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I will never do that. Yeah. You know, anybody you work with. I never thought of that, though. Anybody you, you work know? with, you can take something away from. Yeah. You know, even, even if it's in the bed. But, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that doesn't go with officers. It goes with anybody. Yeah. Know, it, it's, and there's a lot of people out there that they want to, again, we've talked about it all night, like the aggressive fire tactics thing. Like, a lot of people are getting away from it. They don't want to admit that they're buying into it because their department's not buying into it. Like, there's ways to reach out, like, you know, you can, people reach out to me all the time. And, you know, I will try to guide you in a certain way, but you got to take it yourself a whole different direction. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it's hard. It is. It, especially nowadays. Without a doubt. And, and this this job is changing. The career is changing. The I don't think a job changed. I think a job will always stay the same. 
think yeah. the culture's changing. The I, okay, well, you're, the, you're, job, the, job, the job is nine one one. I agree. The answer is, I agree. And we are here selflessly. And I think people, I think people are scared to not scared. I don't want to use the word scared. But people are don't understand the sacrifice of being. We are we are the last thing between anarchy and the world. When you call like when I call nine one one, and maybe I am engaged in illegal activity. But I have a CO detector going off in my house, and I have kids sitting in my house, and I need the CO detector. I need my house meter to make sure I don't have any carbon monoxide in my house. I look to the fire department. I don't but, look to the police department. No, you're I right. to the fire department. You're absolutely right. Because I am the last civil service between anarchy, and I take a lot of pride in it. I do, because I don't give a shit if you are whatever illegal activity you're engaging in, just as long as you're not hurting human beings. Uh, if you're hurting somebody, I'm calling the capital. If you're not, God bless you, and that's animals too. For animals, I'm going to call somebody too. But you know what? Have at it. You're dealing drugs. You're yeah. selling, you know, missiles to whoever. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You know, it's good. Hey, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. And then yeah. we can we can go on and on and on. We got we got to wrap it up. We do. I'm sorry. Like, you know, no. Wait, I mean, are you kidding me? We could sit here for hours. Another beer. We'll keep going. I, I, did, I did the whole raw though. Thanks for asking that's questions. Right. I don't. So you, you dipped into Jerry Springer a little. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Does that make Tucker Steve? Is that talking about Sullivan County or something? What? Or more, you are the father. No. Nice. Wait, uh, you know that meme? It says the, the tests are back and it rules that you are not a firefighter. Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's going. Anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. thank you. Yeah, We're going to wrap, but no, uh, there's going to be a lot more talk going on after this. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming tonight. Yeah. Come back uh, for season two. Season two, absolutely. So wrap it up, Rob. Everybody, it's Rob from National Fire Radio. Thanks for checking in. This is our part two tonight of our two-part series. It's somehow happened here. <laughs> Bobby Eckert in the studio. Good Tucker Daly, Jeremy Donch, also known as, hey, everybody, it's Jeremy from National Fire Radio. Yeah, it's a ringtone on iTunes, 99 cents. But uh, we'll catch you guys later. Everybody be safe out there, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Take care, guys. Yeah, thanks. Fire